This is the Barbecue Central Radio Show, which is recorded live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show is being brought to you by The Barbecue Guru, the original creators of automatic temperature control devices, now offering four different models for you to choose from. Rest easy knowing that The Barbecue Guru is controlling your temperature so you can get on with your life. Visit BBQGuru.com or call 800-288-GURU for more information. And by Fred's Music and Tasty Licks BBQ Supply, your online barbecue and grilling superstore. From cookers to grills, wood chips and chunks, and everything in between, also be sure to try the Tasty Licks barbecue brand of rubs and sauces. Check Fred out online at TastyLicksBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Located in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio, Stephen DeFranco Jewelers is a family-owned and operated business looking to service the great folks of the barbecue and grilling world. Get free shipping and big discounts by mentioning my name and the term Barbecue Brother. Check out their inventory by visiting stephendefranco.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, with 30 years of experience in retail, wholesale, meat markets, food service, and customer service. Using that experience, everything they do and sell at Butcher's Barbecue comes from real-world knowledge. Check out their award-winning spices, sauces, marinades, and injections by visiting ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And by the Barbecue Institute. Take your barbecue to the next level with the Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets to help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Visit BBQInstitute.com and register for classes today. And by Green Mountain Grills. Discover something you'll really, really love. Grilling with pellets. Green Mountain Pellet Grills are the top of the line, best of the best, but not the highest in price. And be sure to check out all of their flavor rubs, sauces, and pellets for the Green Mountain Grill all on their website. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com to peruse the entire product's portfolio. And buy Barbecuer's Delight Wood Pellets, two-thirds oak, one-third flavor wood, giving you that perfect combination of BTU burn and sweet succulent smoke you're looking to get all over your meat. A wide variety of flavors, so please go to the website to check it out and get yours today. Barbecuers Delight, which is bbqrsdelight.com. All barbecue and grilling, all the time. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a packed edition of the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. We look around and we find uh, no producer Bobby tonight. 
back in the uh, confines of me doing everything for the show. She's got a tournament baseball league going on right now, or tournament softball league. So, look, you can still get in touch with the show if you want to, two different ways. You can uh, call the show if you want, 877-448-0433. You can also, how did that happen? See, this is what happens. (laughs) Oh, I remember. (laughs) So cute. So cute. Anyway, you can go ahead and get in touch with the show one of two different ways. You can call the show 877-448-0433. You can also uh, email the show greg at the BBQ Central Show. Dot com. Those are two ways to get in touch with the show. If you didn't sign up for the newsletter, you don't know what's happening. Let me give you a little insight on what will be on this show this very eve, should you uh, have an interest. If not, you're just more than welcome to hang out if you would like to. I can't see the chat room right now either because my laptop is giving me fits, if you will. Coming up in about eh, 12 minutes or so, we'll be joined by uh, you know a guy who I actually regard as, if not a legacy legend in the barbecue industry, uh, perhaps just a legend in his own right, Rocky Stubblefield from Stubbs Barbecue. So that's always fun. I've uh, been a big fan of Stubbs Barbecue sauce for a long time. It's actually like the secret ingredient in my baked beans recipe. So I'll be interested to talk to Rocky about the the company, where it had initially kind of evolved from, and where it's at today, because I would imagine where it was 15, 20 years ago, I don't know if the vision was set in place at that point or if they thought it was going to get as nearly as big as it has gotten, what have you. It'll be interesting to, to get his take on how things have grown and what they're looking to do in the future. So Rocky Stubblefield. And then we have uh, who I consider to be a friend of the show. He's not on all the time, per se. He is a prolific eater of seismic and gargantuan proportion. And that would, of course, be Joey Chestnut. He just won his sixth straight Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Championship, tying his own record of 68 hot dogs. Believe it or not, 68. I don't know if you guys saw it. It takes place on the 4th of July. So we went off air Tuesday just going into the 4th of July holiday. And there was a storm passing through. All right. Um, If you didn't get to see it, I went on YouTube because I was out and I didn't get to see it live. Some people call it freakish. Some people call it a talent. Uh, Look, as much as you want to say that these guys are freaks of nature you know who isn't a freak of nature anymore who doesn't have a a while who doesn't have some type of i want to say a weirdo thing going on but he's got a niche his niche happens to be eating a lot in a small amount of time which is key to the whole deal right you got to eat and it's got to be a large amount in a small amount of time if you can do those things you could potentially be a competitive eater maybe you're thinking to yourself right now Hey, uh, I could be a competitive eater. I eat a lot, and I can do it in a short period of time. The question is, what kind of a short period of time are you a prolific eater at? And if you can't answer a lot in 10 minutes, it's not going to be the sport for you. Stick to competition barbecue or 
you know, whatever it is that you're looking to get into, whatever niche you're looking to exploit, that's certainly up to you. But Joey will be coming on. We'll recap his event specifically. Uh, again, a six-time champion. So there is something to be said for winning the most prolific competitive eating thing now six times in a row. I think we can not... I don't want to say not include, but I don't. Uh, I, there used to be this huge hullabaloo. Yeah, you like that? Look at this. I got. Let me move this out of the way and up here. I got the uh, complimentary uh, Ponderosa barbecue. Big Mo. Big Mo took a grand championship this past weekend. How about that? Um, so anyway. Uh, that's what we'll be getting into a little bit later uh, in this hour with Joey Chestnut. Second hour, we do have Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Green Green Mountain Grills right there. You see it on the microphone thing. And uh, helping me close out the show, one of my favorite guests ever. He brings a vast knowledge of uh, meat, beef, Barbecue takes, barbecue knowledge, plus he happens to be one of the premier pitmasters on the KCBS circuit right now, as evidenced from the last two weeks of his competition. Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue also happens to be a sponsor of the show. Love it when sponsors come on. So we're looking forward to conversation with Dave as well. So uh, we are locked and loaded for what promises to be a great show. All right, here we go. Survey Tuesday, question number one, keeping with the competitive eating realm. How many hot dogs do you think you could eat in 10 minutes? 10 minutes now. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. How many do you think that you could eat in 10 minutes? Question number two. For those thinking about getting into the barbecue competition world, what's the biggest reason you haven't gotten into it yet? I've laid out my reasons many of times. What's the biggest reason? You haven't decided to take the leap into doing at least one competition. Question number three. For the burgers, for the burgers lovers out there, what's your favorite barbecue, or I'm sorry, what's your favorite burger chain joint? Not barbecue joint, but burger joint. What's your favorite burger joint uh, chain, if possible? A lot of people might have great one-off mom-and-pop burger places, but look, I can't get to that. I'm not going to go out for that. So there's your Survey Tuesday questions. A quick update on uh, me and Chad Ward. For my hair, my luscious hair staying in place, I still remain solid atop. True Bud Barbecue is sitting in second place right now. I will update you on KCBS Team of the Year standings. Tippy Canoe still holding the top position. True Bud second, Little Pig Town third, Pigskin Barbecue fourth, and Big T's Q Crew, who won another grand championship this past weekend, Karma, is in fifth place. So big guys and... Heavy hitters, to say the least. So there's your top five. Now, before I go to the first break and get Rocky Stubblefield, we had uh, July 4th almost a week ago. I don't know if a lot of you guys go out and do this uh, firework thing. You got to be careful. You know, back in the day, dudes were lighting off these fireworks, basically mortar shells, with these flare sticks and it was like one of the worst ideas ever made right people were blowing their hands off and fingers were getting demolished and all this other hullabaloo well wouldn't you know it technology rolls around 
hence technology. And now you can hook a computer up to this whole deal, orchestrate it to music, time it out, tell what shoot to launch what shell at what time during this whole process. It's fantastic. It's safe. The uh, pyromaniacs, better known as the people that set it off, don't have to worry about getting their hands blown off, fingers, digits, heads, chests, what have you. And it can be done with the safety of a computer. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, that's where you're wrong. Let me tell you where it does go wrong. It goes wrong in one of the most beautiful places on the face of the earth, San Diego, California. Oh, the whale's vagina. And what I mean by that is sometimes computer makes mistakes. And if you didn't make it out to San Diego to see their prolific, what was supposed to be 18-minute firework display, I can show it to you in its entirety right here, right now. Don't grab a snack. Don't grab a drink. Don't go, oh, God, here we go, 18 minutes of fireworks and whatnot. I will show you the whole fireworks extravaganza right here in 15 seconds. Check this out. Top of the refrigerator. Oh, that was it. That was the complete fireworks extravaganza. <laughs> I mean, I don't... What do we got there? Oh, well, thank you. Look what I got, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm about to tear that bag off. Watch out. I'm getting a gift right here on the Barbecue Central radio show. And what says I love you and happy birthday more than a fabulous 12-pack of Yingling Lager? Sponsorship opportunities for you, Yingling. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. From the Apcars. Oh, corporate sponsorship of the uh, young baseball team. Softball team, sorry. You blow them out. 17 to 1 they win. Oh, my God. A classic ass-kicking of seismic and gargantuan proportions. Trying to figure out how I can get the... Uh, I'm going to play this again real quick. I'm trying to figure out how I can get the uh, the sound in. Sound. No sound there. Uh, what to do? Add cue point. Hmm. Well... I think what's uh, funny about that whole show is the fact that the uh, – what can I view? Broadcast, announce, tools, well, whatever. I think that's the only thing I'm showing anyway. To have – well, yeah, you're hearing it through my microphone, unfortunately. Uh, oh, wait. Does it go – no, I don't have – I have my speakers picked. Right, anyway, it doesn't matter. 15 seconds of fabulous – that's the kind of fireworks show that I want to go see. I don't want to sit there and suffer through 18 minutes of the same firework. When is there going to be a new firework? You never see new fireworks anymore. And quite frankly, pyromania needs to be stepped up a little bit. 
All right, gang, we're going to be talking to this guy a little bit later in the show, but once again, Butcher's Barbecue is thinking of ways for you to trust your butcher even more than you already do. Check out this new program they're unveiling for the very first time right here on the show. No other company in the barbecue world has vowed to not only make their own customers happy, but their competitors' customers happy as well. Now, you might be asking yourself, what do you mean? Look, let me ask you a question. Have you ever bought another injection and it hasn't worked out for you? Have your scores tumbled a bit? Now it's just sitting around collecting dust, probably never to be used again. What to do? Good question. In the past, nothing. Your loss. Now you can trade it in pound for pound. All you have to do is go to ButcherBBQ.com and click the small uh, trade-in link at the top right of the navigation there. And once you get there, fill out the form, print it off, seal up your trade, and mail it to Dave. In return, he'll send you back Butcher Barbecue Beef or Pork or Prime Injection. Look, we all do it. You spend money only to find out that the product is bad. Now the wife is pissed because you could have taken her out on the town instead of buying 50 pounds of injection that doesn't work out for you. How many times have you been in that situation? You spend your money on a product, and when you realize it isn't that great, you're in this weird, vacillating position. You won't use it again, but it was too expensive to just throw out. In the past, you were stuck, let's be honest. But now, with the new trade-in program at Butcher Barbecue, he will match it pound for pound. You have nothing to lose. Only great products to gain that have been time-tested by many of the award-winning barbecue cooks and teams on all of the sanctioning bodies. KCBS, FEA, IBCA, International Barbecue, and it doesn't matter. Butchers will honor any commercially made product along with its partial or complete label. So don't make 20 pounds of crap in your own backyard, stick in a cellophane bag, and send it off to Dave. It doesn't work like that. Commercially, he wants to see the labels. There is a limit of five pounds per item per household. All products will be weighed at the time of arrival in the Dave shop, and that amount is final. If you have any questions, contact Dave directly via the butcherbarbecue.com website. I'm sure he's in the chat here. He can also uh, link up his own email if you want. But get in contact with Dave, see how it works. The trade-in program happening now at butcherbbq.com. That's the website. And quite frankly, it's just one of the best ways on why you should trust your butcher even more than you already do. Not to mention all of their great injections, rubs, and sauces that we talk about week after week. The trade-in program, if you hate your uh, your injection right now, you can trade it in. Go with the stuff that's working out there for all the teams on the competition circuit. Step your own backyard game up. Doesn't matter. ButcherBBQ.com. We're going to come back with Rocky Stubblefield right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, 16 past the hour, 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with me. My next guest is the brand ambassador for one of my favorite commercially available sauces. There is quite a story that goes along with the evolution of the company and the sauce itself. So let's go ahead. We will uh, race over the hotline and welcome first-timer in the show, Rocky Stubblefield. Rocky, how are you, buddy? 
pretty good. How are you? Doing absolutely fantastic, Rocky. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. You know, probably a number of different places uh-huh. we can start tonight. So I guess let's start here. Typically, I ask people on the show how they got into barbecue and all that stuff. I, I imagine this is something you probably grew up around. Yeah, yeah, grew up with, you know, my granddad started out with a restaurant in Lubbock, Texas, and eventually came to Austin, and that's where the sauce was born. Was born. <laughs> so, like, did you used to hang out at uh, at your grandfather's restaurant growing up, or is it some places that you just want from time to time, or uh, that a pretty frequent hangout? Yeah, well, the, the original restaurant started in 1968, so I was... Uh. I was young when I went over there. I didn't really hang out. The second restaurant he had in Lubbock, I actually worked there. I got to hang out there a little bit. So what's it like learning barbecue, you know, from a family member? You're working for your grandfather. You're kind of keeping it family, if you will. What's it like to to work alongside your grandfather, who is widely considered to be a legend in the industry? No, it was great, you know, to get to see, you know, him work every day and, just to see how much people admired him for, you know, his great barbecue and, and the sauce and, you know, everything that he did. Rocky Stubblefield joining me here on the show. Website StubbsBBQ.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at StubbsBBQSauce. You know, Rocky, when I got into barbecue, I was all about the meat and the cooking process, and I started making my own sauce maybe, you know, a year or so later. And when CB started cooking barbecue, did he already have the sauce down pat, or was that something that he also evolved into? Uh, it kind of evolved, but it, it was his sauce, you know, his original sauce from the restaurant, you know. Just years later, everybody said they liked it so much that he should try to sell it, and, you know, that's what brought about the sauce company, you know, him actually going out and selling the sauce and everybody loving it. Now, when you read the biography, uh, your grandfather was in military and he came back. Was he pretty much ready to go? I guess they say that's where the, the Stubbs barbecue was first born, first eaten. And when he got back, was he ready to open a, a restaurant after he was done with military service or did he wait a little while before he ventured in? Yeah, I think he, he waited a little while, but yeah, he, you know, that was his dream. It was just, he just loved, you know, feeding people. He cooked in the military. Uh, you know, there's actually a story that he, you know, he cooked a, a bowl of chili off a, a hot tailpipe when he was in the military. You know, he just, he loved to cook. So, you know, opening up a restaurant was, you know, his dream come true. So looking to grow the business, you talk about when he opened that new facility in Lubbock, prior to actually getting the sauce bottled, was there ever talk, you know, in the kitchen or amongst family at gatherings that you were going to take that sauce to the next level on a, on a commercial level? No, no, I don't think really it was uh, a group of friends later on, you know, you know, just, you know, recommended that he should try to sell it. You know, we never really thought about it. <laughs> Rocky Stubblefield joining me here on the show. I guess for the folks, I don't know a lot of people that haven't, especially the, the barbecue niche here, but for the folks that haven't tried Stubbs yet, can you give us some of the flavor notes that the original sauce has? Uh, the original, you know, which is our number one seller, it's a tomato vinegar-based sauce. So, you know, it's not as thick, uh, no sweetness at all. You know, a lot of people like the sweet, sweeter sauces now, but ours is, like I said, tomato vinegar-based, and uh, it's just a great sauce. Really uh, best is like a finishing sauce, you know, something to serve along with your meat after you cook it. Absolutely. Now, uh, I use Stub Sauce, and it is 
what I, I call it the special ingredient in my barbecue beans. So I will use, you know, like a Bush's beans. I put them in a colander and actually strain out the bean sauce that comes in the can. And then I'll actually replace it with uh, a decent amount of Stubbs mild barbecue or medium sauce. That's what I like, that the green label. Uh, so when I tell my wife yeah, to go okay. get me the stuff in the store, I'm like, get the Stubbs green label, honey. That's the stuff I'm looking for. Um, and I guess what I like specifically, uh, you know, I like the viscosity. I like that flavor profile you were talking about. But it seems that there was, I don't know if it was a concerted effort, but there doesn't really seem to be any type of liquid smoke is that something that was intentionally left out of the process, or is it in there, but just in minute amounts? Uh, yeah, that's just left out of the process. Uh, yeah, there's no liquid smoke in there. Do you guys hate liquid smoke as much as I do? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't say that. We actually sell liquid smoke. So. <laughs> no, but a lot of like a lot of sauces, a lot of sauces. That's an ingredient in their sauce. They want to bring some type of a smokiness or a hickory flavor, so they dump liquid smoke into the sauce, which never fare well on this show. But uh, I, I didn't know if like that's a, a flavor that you guys had conceptualized putting in, and then once you smelled it or once you tasted it with it in, you're like, yeah, we want to leave that out. Yeah, I mean, we try to keep our sauces all natural, uh, gluten-free, so, you know, we just we didn't think we needed that. <laughs> so... When you decide to get the sauce into the stores, I think that was like 92, was there a concern or a worry at all that it wouldn't be accepted across all of the regions? Obviously, you know, perhaps this is more of a Texas-based style sauce because of where you're at. Were you, was there any worry at all that wouldn't be as, as widely accepted across regions? Uh, a little bit of worry, but, uh, you know, my granddad, he had a lot of friends, so, you know. In the barbecue world, when you got a lot of friends, you know, they, they spread the word, so it helps you out to, you know, to have a lot of friends. <laughs> Rocky Stubblefield joining me here on the show. Again, the website, StubbsBBQ.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, at StubbsBBQSauce. You know, when I talk to sauce makers who do it at home first, one of their biggest challenges when they make that leap to sell is finding a commercial packer who isn't looking to tell you how to change your sauce or... Uh, do this or do that to kind of meet their needs versus your needs, uh, that being the, the guy who wants to sell the sauce. Did you guys have any issues with that when you were first starting out? No, no, no real issues. You know, just, you know, when he first went to a packer, he only actually had one sauce. And, you know, when you go to a packer, they said you're actually going to need like a line of sauces. You can't just go in there and try to sell one. So that's kind of what brought about the, the mile, which, you know, you put in your beans, the original, and then, the spicy so you know it started out with those three flavors and you know grew to what we have today so with all of these new products that you know inevitably there starts to be like a market demand for as you said different flavors of sauce marinades mops how do you handle the growth and the products portfolio to ensure that success kind of stick to what the original is, which is, uh, you know, like we said, tomato vinegar based. So all of our sauces are pretty much, you know, tomato based. And, uh, you know, we have a hickory bourbon, which uh, smoky mesquite. Uh, we have a brand new sweet heat. But like I say, all of our sauces start out with that, you know, tomato base, you know, a little bit of vinegar, you know, just adding a different flavor from there. Have there ever been any products that you guys have worked on in the test kitchens or R&D and ultimately been yanked either prior to going to market or 
maybe they just didn't do well after they were on the shelves and you took them back? Yeah, we've had a couple. Uh, you know, actually, when we first started out, my you know my granddad he wanted to sell everything, <laughs> so we actually had some stubs, canned vegetables out there. We had some stubs, uh, serrano peppers, uh, stubs, chili fixings. You know, they they were there for a little while, but they you know we had to you know discontinue them. Uh, here recently, we had uh, we had a Texas teriyaki sauce that. And it was actually a pretty good sauce. We just, you know, there's so many teriyakis out there. We really couldn't, you know, get our foot in the door with that sauce. Are, are you surprised? And then we had a, a, a wicked wing sauce, which is, it was just inferno. It was just too hot. <laughs> so we had to get rid of that one. Are you surprised to see how many barbecue sauces there are on the market now as opposed to even, you know, when you guys started out in 92? Yeah, I mean it's amazing. I mean it seems like there's a new sauce added every day. You know, we, you know, being in the business, we have to, you know, go out and try these sauces to see, you know, where we stand, you know, and what the new flavors that people are looking for out there. And I mean, you'd be amazed at how many different sauces you can go and, and just buy at one store. Oh, I mean the the shelf. That's why people are always telling me you should bottle your sauce. I'm like. Uh, you ever gone in the grocery store and seen the fact that there's 578 million different sauces to choose from? I mean, it's really hard to stand out on the shelf, right? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, especially if you get placed down on the bottom, you know, you're in trouble. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Rocky Stubblefield joining me here on the show. You know, a few years back, Stubb was certified gluten-free. A lot of companies might have just, you know, stood stood pat and continue to turn the product out as is. Was it a fairly big undertaking for you guys to, to get that certification and meet those uh, particular criteria? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a long process for us to get that. You know, like I said, we want to do make products that are you know not just good but good for you. So you know that's something my granddad wanted. You know, that's kind of how he started making his own sauce because you know he kind of had bad health. So he had to make something that he could actually eat. So. Is the Stubbs charcoal uh, line still doing pretty good for you guys? Yeah, the charcoal it is doing good. Yeah, you know you can get it at Lowe's, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be available in some other stores coming soon. So, let's yeah, say uh, for the people yeah, who don't know, it. yeah, yeah it's a hardwood briquette. So uh, it's something that I actually use in my Weber Smoky Mountains, uh, and it's a good product. I like it a lot. Uh, do you guys plan out a certain amount of barbecue events to attend for promotion every year, or is it just kind of fly by the seat of your pants? No, we usually plan it out. Uh, mostly, just some of the big ones we plan to attend. Just uh, you know, we don't compete, so we actually just sponsor teams. So whatever the teams, their schedule is what they're going to do. But then you know, I try to go out to like the Memphis in May or the American Royal, you know, events like that. Now you've had a number of releases for uh, 2012. Anything in the hopper? that might be coming down the pike that you can give us a little heads up on that uh, keep us guessing? Uh, we're, you know, we're working on a uh, new marinade and a new sauce, so look for it coming soon. Is that going to be end of the year thing or uh, next development year? development stage. Uh, development stage, all right. Uh, sometimes those are the best stages to be in. Uh, Rocky Stubblefield <laughs> is the uh, brand ambassador for Stubbs Barbecue. And again, the website stubsbbq.com. That's the website you can find out about all the products. You can find out uh, where they are available in stores in your area. 
Rocky, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and telling us about Stubbs and the brand. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having us on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. There he is. Rocky Stubblefield. Again, StubbsBBQ.com. StubbsBBQ.com. At StubbsBBQSauce. If you want to uh, hit him up on the Twitter. Who doesn't want to hit him up on the Twitter? I find that story pretty fascinating. I like... You know, old school stories of, you know, guys that were, you know, like uh, CB. CB Stubblefield was in the Army, started his, maybe I can get rid of uh, Rocky now. There we go. Um, Started it out in the Army, kind of honing the craft. And then when he got back in to the States, opened up the first restaurant, started devising things, and then Stubbs Cajun Butter. Whoa. Um. And then got the sauces to market and all that other stuff. And, and really, you know, a, a pretty prolific sauce manufacturer. You see him in most of the major stores across the country. At least, you know, I see him everywhere I go. They usually get good shelf spots, which is key. So I think they're doing it uh, uh, the right way over at Stubbs Barbecue Sauce. There you go. Uh, don't forget, because I will. Your uh, Survey Tuesday questions. Oh, I meant to ask Rocky the Survey Tuesday question. Uh, how many hot dogs did you eat in 10 minutes? All right, quick poll. Do I ask Joey Chestnut how many hot dogs he can eat in 10 minutes if I ask him Survey Tuesday? Question number two. The biggest reason you have not done a barbecue competition, if you were thinking about getting into a bigger, what's the biggest reason holding you back? Question number three. Best chain burger joint. I'm not talking about McDonald's. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. I guess it could be McDonald's if you want. I'm not here to. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, who you should or should not be eating burger-wise. I have nothing to do with that. All right, I want to get some uh, extra time here with Joe. Swamp sauce answers the age. The hell just happened there? Oh right. Petey River Swamp. Yeah, no free reads here. Swamp sauce. Want a couple extra minutes with Joe here? So hang with me. All right, look, I, I tell you about Stephen DeFranco every week. Look, guys, let's be honest. There's few things that we can do as far as, like, uh, you know, jewelry stuff. You know, you guys can have a chain. You know, I got a chain. Can't really see that behind the microphone. Um, Got a couple rings, wedding ring, grandfather's ring. But, you know, after that, I mean, what do you have? Really what it boils down to is this. You have the ability now to buy... A fairly high-end watch. Now, we're not talking Rolex or uh, whatever. Whatever those multi-highline watches are, they're going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. We're talking watches well under $1,000. I wear that uh, Accutron watch, which is the high-end Bolova brand. There are the regular Bolivas. You have Citizens. You have Philip and Company. So if you want something, maybe you're a niche watch person. You want something that's handcrafted from start to finish, that's individually serialized, that's made right here in the west of Cleveland, Lakewood, I think it is. Philip and Company is the watch for you. All you have to do is you go over to Steve's website, stephendefranco.com. That's D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, stephendefranco.com. You peruse his watch inventory, and then once you find one you like, you're going to see a retail price on it. So don't crap your drawers, don't poop yourself until you call in. 440-943-2700. 440-943-20... Crap. Hold on. 
440, yeah, 440-943-2700. And say, hey, Steve, I was looking at this watch. Here's what it is. He'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that watch. I saw it right here in the store. And you say, hey, I'm a barbecue brother or I'm a barbecue sister or I'm a related to somebody who's a barbecue brother. I'm looking to get it as a gift or whatever. Then he's going to give you a ridiculous discount, probably like 50% off. So imagine now getting a $1,000 watch for $500. And do the math again. $750 watch for like 400 bucks, a little less, 385 and 50 It's great. We know somebody in the jewelry business. Maybe you've screwed up beyond almost repair with your significant other, and you need to buy her some high-end piece of jewelry. Steve's got your back. It always ships free. The entire inventory is at stephendefranco.com, and you call 440-943-2700. You tell them you're a barbecue brother. You tell them what you want, and you're hooked up. Free shipping, as always, with everything. Do it today, stephendefranco.com, 440-943-2700. We're coming back with the hot dog king, Joey Chestnut. Stick around. We'll be right back. Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Big B, Let's go. All right, we are back. Uh, just coming up on 35 past the hour. 877-448-0433, Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. All right, uh, you might have seen my next guest on TV taking part in the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest on July 4th. Joining me now to break down the competition, how it went, all the good stuff. The winner, go ahead and race over the hotline and grab Joey Chestnut. I'll get back to you. The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this oh, time. Oh, no. Goodbye. No Joey Chestnut. Can you grab my uh, cell phone? I don't know. He didn't answer his phone. Try it again. I hate this. What? I know. Can't, I can't say that yet. It might be... Somewhere. Might have to... Uh, I don't want to insult him yet. No. Let's see here. Yes, we could. I'm also looking him up here to... That's right. I'm also uh, sending him a text message. Not available right now. Leave a message. I'll get back to you. Not available right now. Look, Joey, it's been a week. How many other people are interested in how many hot dogs you crammed down your pie hole? Just me. I think. Oh, my youngest daughter, Marley, is interested. Here's the good news. I got out a little early to make time to ask him all of my questions. I mean, if we're talking, you know, a, a real celebrity like uh, Dr. Barbecue or Dave Bosca or 
Who's the girl that sings my favorite song? Or Carmen? Carmen. You don't take my call? I guess I can see that. Joey Chestnut is riding on the border of this not being all right. We try again. Uh, no, but we'll see. Maybe he'll pick up here. I'm sure it's already gotten back to him that I've been chastising him on the air for these last eight or nine seconds. What? Oh, Mom, hi. I was at the softball game. That's why I didn't call. If you're watching. Maybe you're not watching. Well, this doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. I know. Come on, Joey. Right. Not available right now. Not available. I'll get back to you. Oh, Lord. Wait a second. Here he is. You race over to the hotline. Here he is, uh, the winner of Nathan's famous Joey Chestnut. Hold on a second here. What was line line three? Uh, Joey, hey, Joe, hello, hello, Joey. Hmm. Well, guess not. All right. Well, that worked out fabulous. I'm going to yell at that PR hack. We're going to make a surprise phone call. Call my parents. Yes. That was. It was a great idea. Okay. Why isn't this working? Hello. I know. Well, I do, but hoping for a phone call. Hello? Hello, Mom. Well, hello, Greg. Happy birthday. Thank you. You're live on the air. Well, this is very exciting. I understand I'm, uh, what, a fill-in? Joey isn't showing up? Well, you know, Joey Chitwood is, uh, I I, I don't even know what he has. He has the ability to not show up on the show. That's what he has. That's incredible. Of course. It's patently outrageous. I could eat three hot dogs in ten minutes. Oh, well, I was just going to say, hold on a second. Let me uh, let me give you the Survey Tuesday question. In uh, in 10 minutes, Mom, how many hot dogs could you eat? Be honest. Don't lie. Three. Three hot dogs. Wow. In 10 minutes? I don't, I don't believe that for a second. All right, question number two. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you and Dad have tossed this around, but... What's the biggest reason you guys haven't started your own competition team yet? Um, probably because your father is uh, out of town too much. Otherwise, I'm sure we'd be on the Of course. You guys would be taking over the circuit as you speak. All right, question number three. Best chain burger joint? Oh, so many, I know. Uh, yeah, there is, and I must say that we don't frequent any of them. So um, you got none. I, I'm going to say I'm going to say McDonald's. I'm going to go with the the big. Wait a second. Ah, Joey Chestnut is in. All right, mom, I got to let you go. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Mom, beat it. Get that big out of here. I got to go to Chitwood. Let's see here. Here we go. <clears throat> What do you mean? I know. She was filling in. 
Well, he didn't. He's you know, he's there. Hello, this is Joey. Joey. There he is. Joey Chestnut, the hot dog eating champion. Um, Joe, you're you know almost a week removed from the event. Tomorrow would be the week's anniversary. Um, kind of help me break down the competition, like how it went, um, all that stuff. July fourth is for you. Uh, July fourth is awesome. Uh, <laughs> it was hot out there. It was hot in New York. Um, it was humid, but uh, I got into a decent rhythm in the beginning. I was uh, I was sort of mess, but uh, I was able to keep eating. And I, I I didn't break my record, but I tried it, and I, I thought I did pretty good. Second place with sixteen hot dogs behind. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I, I, absolutely. I was hoping I was hoping they would they would eat more. The more they eat, the, the more pressure I feel to eat more, and well, uh, and to do better. But uh, I, I I definitely ate well that day, though. So we'll get into some of like the the pre and post competition routines here in a bit, but. How did you feel when you woke up that day? Did you feel like it was going to be a potential record-breaking day? Or when you wake up for any competitive eating event, do you wake up some days and be like, today I'm going to get my eat on? Or today oh, yeah. might not be an every day? I definitely woke up, woke up feeling light and loose. <laughs> I, I, only slept about, I only slept about four and a half or five hours at night. And I was up moving and uh, just, just, just ready and loose. I, I hydrated very well the day before. And then I stopped drinking water the day, day of the contest, and uh, it, I, I felt really good. So you mentioned it was another hot, humid, sunny day. When you're outside, because obviously some of these competitions aren't housed outside, is is there a perfect outside weather day for you to compete in? Yeah, there's always perfect weather, but uh, it was. I, I, I'd be happy if it was like 75, but with with California style humidity, with, without humidity, but. Uh, I, I can't be too picky. It, it, one thing about it is it's fair for everybody. Everybody's eating in the same weather. Everybody's eating the same hot dog. Correct. Now, does eating in a day like July 4th weather-wise affect you at all during your event? Can it hinder the amount yeah. you can consume? It, 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 a little bit. It, it, it makes me slow down a little bit towards the end. Uh, I'm a sweaty mess. Uh, I know that I'm a little bit dehydrated. And it's just, I just run out of steam a little bit. But I, I think... It, yeah, you know, I, I really should have been able to push one more hot dog in me. <laughs> I'm a little bit bummed out about that, but uh, I, at least I tied the record. Joy Chestnut joining me here on the show, winner of the Nathan's 4th of July hot dog eating contest. Ate 68 dogs, tying his own personal record. And about two minutes into the eat, Joey, you had three or four dog buffer between you and second place. Do you have a plan to work while you're at a contest while it's going on? Oh, yeah, well... During the contest, I'm I'm really I'm there's two feelings I'm trying to ignore completely. I'm just trying to ignore the feeling of full, the feeling any feeling of pain. Uh, other than that, my mind is all over the place. Uh, I, I just, I'm just trying to control my breathing and keep my hands moving, uh, and and just keep whatever whatever whatever's going in my mouth going down. Uh, during that time, also my little brother is right in front of me, yelling at me, telling me telling me where we else is at. And I just, uh, I just, so I'm aware of where we are. That they're, they're the judges in front of. I can see on my left and right where the leaders are. And uh, and I, I definitely knew that five minutes in, I, I, I was, I was five or six hot dogs ahead, and, and they were slowing down. And and then that minute, the last half of the contest is where I really uh, created the gap. Now you mentioned 
the fighting that feeling of feeling full. I mean, 68 hot dogs, when does that happen? At like hot dog 8 or 10? Uh, you know, I could I eat 30 hot dogs and be pretty happy. <laughs> so the first the first four minutes of the contest, I'm I'm, I'm a happy dude. I, I'm just I'm I'm in a I'm in a vicious rhythm, and uh, it's fun. The, the first four or five minutes are, are fun. The second half of the contest, that's where uh, that's where it's real work. That's where uh, I'm, my body is telling me things, and I, I'm like, I'm ignoring it, and I I just I know exactly what I'm capable of, and I just I, I have to do it. Joy Chestnut joining me here on the show. All right, so we look at that back half of the competition. Six minutes in, you're up by ten dogs. You are, uh, and I guess you said you were actively kind of watching the other judges and, and some of the others, so you know where they are. When you see that you're up by ten, are you necessarily concerned? Do you think that they're going to make a run at you and somehow catch up, or are you no, kind of pacing your own self at that point? I'm pacing myself. Uh, going into the contest, I knew that if, if I got into a decent rhythm, that it was going to be a contest against myself. Uh, I'd be a contest trying to break the record, and I'd just be using whatever they did as, as motivation. Uh, and they're awesome. They're awesome eaters. But uh, I, this, this is the Fourth of July. That, that's a contest I really train for. Uh, and there's other contests I, I, I do throughout the year. A bunch of contests, but none of them. I, I don't train for any of them the same way I do for Fourth of July. And the other eaters know that. They, they know that I, I go to this contest accepting only one outcome. Their victory, and uh, if I'm there, I'm, I'm there to win. At the end of the competition, you, you eat 68 dogs in 10 minutes. You tie your own record, given the heat and the humidity. And look, I mean, 68 hot dogs sounds like a friggin' craziness. So, w- was it at all a struggle to just get back to that 68? And is 68 kind of this weird glass ceiling that you might have hit in some regard? I don't want to think that I can't. I, I know I've broken the record in practice. Uh, I know I, I did one practice. I ate all the way to seventy-four hot dogs after ten minutes. Uh, my body. This last week it was. I was proud to eat hot dogs and not only get get them in, but get them down and digest them. Uh, and next year, you know, I, I I don't know exactly what I'll do different. I have, I have a couple of ideas. I want to go into the contest a little bit lighter, healthier, uh, so I don't pull down as much at the end. But uh, the only way you can be a good, good, good competitive eater is by eating a lot. And uh, it sounds funny, but so I have to keep the balance uh, a little bit better next year, be a little bit healthier, but still maintain the ability, uh, the ability to eat a ridiculous amount of food. All right, so I'm getting a lot of uh, questions here in my instant chat room, and the one that seems to repeat over and over again is how you actually go about training for this event. I know you were on uh, the Jim Rome show last Tuesday leading up. You said that you had eaten 80 hot dogs you know, within a couple days' time prior to going in. What, what's the process like for you? How are you training to eat 68, 70, 80 dogs? It's, it's, uh, I, I, I can bear to watch a marathon runner or possibly a bodybuilder. I, I, I get my body into a cycle or I'll do a practice contest. And after the contest, um, the day after, I'm immediately taking just protein supplements, and uh, and I'm on, I'm on a liquid fast. I'm fasting for three days, getting ready for my next practice. And every time I do a practice, I, I try to eat a little bit more. And and every time I get the food down and digest it, I know I can go up a little bit more the next time. It's just it's it's a uh, I'm just I'm convincing my body it's all right. 
and I'm convinced them him uh, making those bu- those muscles stretch and become a little bit stronger, and and getting my body used to that just you know a little bit more every time. It's uh, it's it, it sounds simple, it, and it is pretty simple. It's it's but it's uh, it's it's tough for any of the it, 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 it's work. Okay, those three days when I'm fasting, I feel like garbage, and the, the day after the contest, I feel like garbage. So it's uh, it's easy for other eaters to try to find give an easy way to do it, but it's uh, if you're if you're going to do this, I mean, if I'm going to do this contest, I'm committed to being the best I can be. Might as well, might as well throw some work. All right. So the other question that keeps coming up is, after the event is done, are there people running right away to offload? Uh, or are you digesting, you know, the, the 20,000 calories or, or whatever it is, and how much weight are you putting on during the course of an eat? Oh, yeah, I'm digesting it. It's it, it very rare for me to get sick. I'll get sick. There's I'll get, there's a couple of reasons why I might get sick if, if I'm not familiar with the food, and I haven't digested that much food before. Uh, and that, that's not a problem with hot dogs. My body feels comfortable with them and digest them. But uh, the, other, the other reason is if I'm too dehydrated, then my body just can't, can't, can't doesn't have enough. Uh, liquids in it to digest the food, and that, that I might get sick like three hours later. It just it might be something not digesting. But uh, this contest, I was I was hydrated, and my body was used to digesting the food. And uh, I, I know the next year, uh, hopefully, uh, I just need to control my body a little bit better. And uh, and uh, yeah, it, but I, there are you're right. There are eaters that. As soon as as soon as they can, they, they uh, let loose, and oh. and I know I know they're there. They they know I know that they do it, and you know I I know they're never going to beat me. Also, they they know that also. So so it's the the, the person who who can't control their body is uh, definitely out there, and uh, and uh, I I kind of laugh at them. I I kind of laugh that they're trying to keep up with me. Maybe they push themselves to that breaking point. Joey Chestnut joining me here on the show. He just won the uh, 4th of July hot dog eating contest, uh, Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest, eating 68 dogs. You've won the title now six years in a row. There's really no one on the MLE roster that's major league eating, for the people that don't know, uh, that can even sniff you when it comes to this. Do you find yourself having to set those personal goals in order to motivate yourself since the other eaters aren't putting up much of I'm not saying that they're not trying their hardest, but when you look at it raw – the numbers just aren't matching up. You're well in advance. So, do you have to go in in some sort of mindset saying, "I got to get myself pumped up because I can't rely on an Eater X or a Crazy Legs or you know whoever else to really be able to keep up with me for these ten minutes?" Oh, it's uh, I, I can only motivate myself so much, but uh, a lot of my motivation comes from the audience. It, it's for an eating contest, it's ridiculous to look out and see thousands and thousands of people. I think this year was estimated thirty-five thousand. And uh, that's that's insane. A lot of motivation comes from them. A lot, a lot of motivation comes from every day. I get uh, give letters in the mail with people encouraging me, to, and uh, it's, it's that encouragement. And it's not really pushing me. It's more of a support. And and I think I have I've been very lucky to get the support. I have a support network of a lot of people, uh, whether it's friends, family, or fans. And and it's just. I've been able to surround myself with a lot of awesome people who can, uh, who are, who, who acknowledge it because of being crazy, but they also acknowledge that, you know, Joey, if you're doing it, you might as well be the best and, and uh, push yourself 
and, and, and be normal. Be a normal guy that just that does the best you can. Joey Chestnut joining us here on the show. Uh, Joe, last year Kobayashi was a no-show at the actual eating portion. Same thing again this year. The audience and the people who follow Emily want to see you go up against him, and he continually refuses, I suppose. And, and tantamount, because this is such like the biggest event, right? This, this is the Daytona 500 or the Super Bowl. This would be like the Miami Heat deciding not to show up for a finals game since this is the preeminent uh, event for MLE during the course of the year. Do you know exactly like what's going on with him and why he will not get back into IFOCE and MLE eating events? The truth is, I, I, I major league eating, it, it, they're, they're the organization that puts it on. Uh, there's always disputes between athletes and, and the organization that run things, whether it's NHL or NBA. So the truth is, major league eating, they are a difficult organization to get along with. And, uh, and he's uh, he's I don't know if he's burned bridges and he, but I'm, I'm I'm sure they still want him back to compete and eventually eventually he's he's going to come back I think I think this year they started actually talking the uh, money numbers were made made public yes. about what what they were talking about yeah now or, 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 or what about the contracts and uh, I I think I think it, I think some there's probably going to be a sponsor that steps up and says we we and says that they want to see a rematch between me and him. Uh, and it's, it's probably going to happen next year because next year, next year is probably going to be my last. I, I set all my goals in competitive and I've had them all except for, except for getting seven in a row, and that, that's my last goal. When I was looking, he, he did uh, some type of Internet interview with some pretty hot chick, uh, and then he had his business manager alongside of him. He mentioned a figure of like $40,000 uh, over the course of a year. But maybe and maybe I misunderstood it because I would imagine they're probably offering all the other eaters I, something similar as far as contract, maybe not money amount. Did they only want him? I, did they only want him to eat the hot dog contest? No, no, that's complete. I, I thought I saw a couple of reports, and one of them, the way it sounded, is they were offering forty thousand just for the eating contest. Plus, they guaranteed him other three other events mm-hmm. that would total a uh, hundred thousand dollars. Wow. So, so they're, they're offering. I mean, the, the truth is, they're they're a, control, a controlling organization. They, they don't want him to do any eating contest without without them getting the cut. And uh, so, so it, it, it's it's give and take. I, I know that if I'm eating in the contest, there's somebody making money off of me, and uh, it, I just have to know my worth and and, and negotiate appropriately. So I guess in a way, maybe or maybe you don't kind of respect what he's going through, um, but you have somehow found a way. You're you're by far the biggest attraction at Major League Eating, no matter how much he thinks that he is, because he's just not eating in events that are getting the exposure. So at least in my opinion, you're, yeah. you're, you're probably more of the face, but you were able to, to work something out with MLE to continue on with them. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty easy going guy. Uh once once my, I'm done with competitive eating, I'll go back to work in construction management full time. But uh, Kobayashi, he's a competitive eater, and uh, if they if they take away his competitive eating, he's he's going to do it. He's going to try to do it somewhere else. But uh, he, he's he's very passionate about it. He's he's uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, there's a big part of me that thinks that you know what he signed the same contract for nine years. And he was okay with it until he started losing, and it, it, maybe he doesn't want to lose. And 
and he's making a big deal out of it now. Um, he, he's just he's, he's trying to find a way out. But there's a bit, there's a part of me that hopes that you know he, he was just set up with, with major league eating. He's going to try he try to make them uh, try try to make them change their ways. And and and, and even though I don't think major league eating will change, I, I hope that Kobayashi's not afraid because I, I, he's a competitor. I, I want to compete against him. I, I want to have a respect for him. Joey Chestnut joining us here on the show, breaking it all down for us in regards to uh, hot dog eating as well as some ongoings in Major League Eating. You know, Joe, you've been doing this for a number of years now. You said next year might be the last uh, because of all the personal goals that you've been able to attain. This isn't the only event you do every year. You do a number of them. Have you given any consideration the fact that you may or may not be unknowingly doing some type of, of long-term damage to your body by eating like this? I have. Uh... I go to the doctor pretty regularly, uh, every three, every three or four months while I'm training for Nathan's, uh, I go twice, uh, in, in that six week period, uh, just, just to make sure everything's working well. And, uh, so right now I, I'm really confident that I, uh, I'm not doing any, any damage to my body. Um, I, I also, I'm 20 years old, but I've been, I've been very lucky. I recover. I still recover qu- quickly from contests. My body it, it adapts to the food when I'm training with it, um, but it, it's you're right. You push your body to the limit. You push your body to the limit, whether it's in marathon uh, running or boxing or anything. You're you're hurting it to a degree, and I'm aware of that. But uh, and but right now I'm happy and healthy. And uh, as soon as I start to see some negative effects, the first time I see it. I'll, uh, I have no problem walking away. All right, Joe, uh, two more questions here before I let you go. You're the premier eater right now in MLE, number one ranked. Uh, you're winning six in a row for hot dog eating contest. Can, can you pick up chicks doing this? Oh, my God. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, I've been very lucky. Really? <laughs> yeah! It's, oh, my God. <laughs> It, it, it's ridiculous. They're women, women, the competitive eating in general, they, they don't like that. It's ugly. Uh, but they like a winner. They like a guy that goes out and takes care of business. <laughs> and uh, I'm that kind of guy. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And I, and, uh, I follow through. And they, they like they like a guy that is a winner. And uh, I, I'm, my girlfriend, she's awesome. But she's way out of my league. So, uh, <laughs> she, she's not attracted to competitive eating, but it, it, uh Definitely, she, she, uh, she likes it a winner. Construction it, management, it, Joey it, Chestnut, couldn't have pulled that girlfriend, is what you're saying. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Before competitive eating, I was super shy. I, was, I still am shy. I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a normal guy, an engineer. And it's just, I, I crunch numbers, and, uh, and now, now I, I, I was a shy. I, I still am shy, but uh, it's, I do a lot better than I should. All right, Joe, uh, if you, do you want to do uh, my survey Tuesday questions with me before I let you go? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Uh, question number one. This might seem a little redundant. How many hot dogs could you eat in 10 minutes? Oh, perfect day. I could eat 71. 71. All right. Question number two. Now, this is going to seem kind of off the wall, and I apologize. Uh, so let me reword it for you. Uh if asked, would you ever join a competitive barbecue team to cook? Uh, absolutely. I love barbecue. Love I have a pretty good cook. You, you hold barbecue eating records, if I uh, remember correctly. 
And yeah, uh, I, I put down some pulled pork pretty easily. That's right. Uh, question <laughs> question number three. You may be an aficionado at this best chain burger bar, uh, best chain burger joint around. Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> I, 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 I've always been a fan of In and Out. That, that, that's, a, that, that's one of my favorites. But uh, Five Guys, I, I really fall in love with them. Five Guys. Guys. Just... All right. I was going to say, I know you're West Coast guys, so that could have easily went the uh, In and Out Burger way. But there you go. All right. Uh, Joy Chestnut has secured his thick sixth straight Nathan's Famous World Eating Hot Dog Championship. Sixty-eight dogs in ten minutes. Joe, always appreciate the time you give to the show. Congratulations again. And uh, where will you be eating next so we can keep an eye out for you? Uh, I'm not doing it. No, no contest planned for a little while. Oh. Probably not until August. All uh, right. There's going to be a, I'll be, my next public thing, I'll be serving uh, ice cream or, or ice cream for root beer float to the San Jose Earthquakes uh, uh, soccer game. And that'll be, I'll be, uh, and anybody who buys one, it's a donation to charity, so happy to be doing that. All right. Uh, so, Joe, uh, again, appreciate the time you give to the show. Uh, congratulations again. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thank you. All right. There he All is, right. Joe Chestnut. See, he came through for me. You guys were ready to kill him, all most sorts of bad words and whatnot. <laughs> oh, wait. Maybe that was me. This is Jennifer Paulinus from Oh, Chicago Jennifer. Carolina. Come on. All right. Now i got to catch up. I could talk to him about competitive eating all day long. I'm sorry. Maybe some of you got bored with that. Can you imagine how weird his toilet must feel after he takes, what, a week to digest? Yikes. All right, gang. Take your barbecue to the next level with a Barbecue Institute class. Pitmaster Conrad Teddy Bear Haskins uses his years of catering and restaurant experience combined with food science and smoking secrets help you understand how to improve your barbecue. Backyard barbecuers and those folks who want to open a business, drive and fly in from all over the world for the Institute's small, friendly, informative classes. Now, there's upcoming Barbecue 101 classes, which would include uh, places like Riverhead, New York, Dallas, and Houston, Texas. There's also a commercial barbecue class for those wanting to open their own business That's coming up at the Gator Pit Factory in Houston using their approved commercial kitchen. Following a sold-out second annual barbecue at the McKinley Springs Winery, plans have already been starting to throw through the works. For a 2013 class, the Barbecue Institute is planning on adding a two-day Dutch oven class and a one-day butchering class on each side of the weekend. How about that? Learn the differences between cooking with charcoal, gas, logs, wood pellets. They can all produce amazing results, yet they require a different route to get there. Learn the practical secrets and the food science on the methods to get the best results from each heat source. Now, when not teaching classes on the weekends, Conrad is conducting private classes and corporate events for court, uh, from coast to coast during the week. He also founded OPBBQ.com in 2004, and he's still barbecuing for the troops and the wounded warriors. Take your next off-site party to a huge, memorable level. Have a Barbecue Institute off-site party. Show your employees you care with the very best barbecue that money can buy. They will be talking about it for years and years to come. If there's leftover food, probably a very good chance you're going to be taking that for hours and hours to come after you have that event. For details on all of the Barbecue Institute classes, you visit bbqinstitute.com. 
bbqinstitute.com. That's bbqinstitute.com. Or check their Facebook page for the latest news and pictures. Once again, the website, bbqinstitute.com. You'll also be pleasantly surprised with how affordable they actually are as well. Conrad Haskins, we'll be lining him up for a couple segments next month as well. All right, uh, when we come back, I will try and play catch-up a little bit. And then we'll uh, point the second hour with the Jason Baker and Dave Bosco. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far? I never asked for this. All right, uh, five after the hour. The women, the whiskey, craziness. Thanks again to uh, Joey Chestnut for uh, talking with me about competitive food eating. Survey Tuesday questions. Let's go ahead and uh, race through them really quickly. We'll get the instant chat answers. How many hot dogs could you eat in 10 minutes? Me? Oh, that's a tough one. I could eat two dogs in... I mean, if I was eating to eat, I could eat two dogs, four dogs, with the, with the buns, because he eats 68 hot dogs and buns. And if I douched the buns in water, I want to say in 10 minutes. I could probably eat 20 hot dogs in 10 minutes. You think I could eat 20 hot dogs in 10 minutes? Yeah, 20. 10 minutes. I I think I could eat twenty hot dogs in ten minutes. I think I think I could. I am. Oh. Like what? My wife is telling me it depends on what the incentive is. I have my ideas. You know what? I might do that. Next week it's the hot dog eating contest right here in my house. I'm going to make 20 hot dogs. I'm going to have a segment dedicated to me eating 20 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I'm going to do it right here on the air. <laughs> do I get my reward? Hey, Big stuff out of here. Just plain. No condiments. Nothing. Just plain. 20 plain with buns. With buns. Hot dogs and buns. That's the deal. Maybe I should do what uh, on the. On the same live cast they did, how, how long does it take to eat one hot dog? Like, just see how long it would take to eat one hot dog. Maybe that might be safer. I want to puke on air. That would be bad. Save it for the end of the show. That's right, Randy. So I'm thinking 20 and 10 minutes uh, with buns. Biggest reason that I have not done a barbecue competition. It's very simple. I've said it time and time again. Uh, my ego is satisfied right here hosting the show. I have no desire to go out and spend six, $700 on a weekend of competition barbecue to have somebody else judge whether I'm good or not. I know I'm great, damn it. It's my birthday. I get uh, Best barbecue chain. I'm sorry, best burger chain. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, it's... It's a it's a chain here in Cleveland. It's got like five or six locations. B spot. Michael Simon, the Iron Chef, who won't do the show because he's a douche. I said it. 
Yes. Programming note, next week we will find pitmaster of Pellet Envy, Rod Gray, in the confines of the Barbecue Radio Network. Not in the studio, though, on the line. And also uh, Meathead Goldwyn will be making his uh, monthly triumphant return, AmazingRibs.com. We're going to be debunking ass-can chicken. I have been a big non-fan of ass-can chicken for years. I think a lot of people think that if they can do ass-can chicken, somehow that makes them some type of expert. But uh, there are dangers that Meathead who hates everybody on Barbecue Pitmaster's TV show and is scathing in his remarks. I will grill him on that, pun intended. So we'll talk about that. Um, now, let, we went to Disney a couple weeks ago. I've been meaning to get to this. Look, you, you never know what you're going to see at these places. Disney. And you, Randy, I know he doesn't love you. You were a, uh, what did he call you, a... Uh, uh, Sh- oh, he called you a schlub. Get that big stuff out of here. Poor Randy gets a schlub. After the fact, I heard Randy, uh, he was taped, and Randy said this. Total power in one person's hands, not the American way. These damn bills that come out here all the damn time. Come out here to the off topic, Randy. And I got to try to figure out how to vote for my people. You should be ashamed of yourselves. I'm sick of it. You, Every year we pass rules. That stop each one of us. Randy. Enough! I feel like somebody trying to be released from Egypt. Let my people go! Oh, Randy, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, that's up to you. Um, well, I guess eight. Randy, you're a little off topic. I mean, I appreciate where you're going. Uh, so B spot for me. So Rod Gray next week, Meathead next week. So we're at these uh, Disneyland's worlds. You never know what you're going to see here, right? Here's what I saw: waiting in line in in the future world, world of tomorrow, land, future land, Disney World, world, world of tomorrow. He was waiting in line for the Wedway People Mover. And I was hoping at some point that he was going to be joined by wife and kids, whatever, but he wasn't. So I had to immediately snap a picture once I realized my man was dressed like this for reals. Affectionately known as Mouse Man, and this is what he looks like. Look at this guy. Very proud. Look at him. He doesn't love this guy. It's phenomenal. He's got the Mickey Mouse cap on. He's got a uh, loose tank top. Showing a little bit of nipple there on the left side, I think. But he is just owning it right now, right? Owning that look. Loving every minute of it. That is not... A, and you look off to the right-hand side. These are my kids right in the front with the blue shirt and then the polka dot hat. Those are my two kids. My uh, oldest, getting ready to flip her hair, is looking at that guy like, what is that? No. Rooftop, that is not me. Get that big stuff out of here. That's not me. No, people are saying that that's me. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not my oldest child flipping her hair. That's my middle child. That is not me. Sorry. All right, that's me. Just kidding. It's really not. It's really not. That was a joke. And then I got these while I was down in uh, Lido Beach at Foot, which is a shoe store. 
Look at those badass Vibram five fingers. Glove feet. That's what they call me around the neighborhood. Glove feet. And I took the best picture of me and my wife, which is my favorite picture that I love. You see it on my Facebook page right now. Look at this. A finer pair you would never find. I love you. Dude, love that picture. It's the best picture ever. You're right. It's not better than this guy. What a weirdo that guy is. All right. <laughs> You're right. That was a better picture. I'm not showing them that. Um, Dave Lopez wrote in, emailed, do I like pellet cookers or Weber Smoky Mountains better and why? And uh, due to time, I'm going to have to wait to answer that till next week. I apologize, Dave. I know you're listening live probably too. Anxiously awaiting my... But I'll save that for next week. What, I haven't taken that out? That's stupid. All right, uh, this is the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? <laughs> you have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate 54 wieners. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole lot of the movie. Wow, yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Ooh, top men. Now we're into the second hour. Am I off? Am I off read? I am. All right, watch this. I have to fast forward right into this so I can make sure that I'm uh, keeping track of it. All right. Now, look, as many of you know, we just talked about pellet cookers. I got my grimy mitts on pellet cooker. First thing I thought of was barbecuers delight. Why? Because they're widely considered to be the pellet resource. For pellet-fired cookers, that's right. Whether on the competition trail or in your backyard, folks choose Barbecuers Delight Wood Pellets more than any other brand for their superior quality and flavor, and you should give them a try as well. You can find them at bbqrsdelight.com. Now, maybe you don't have a pellet cooker. No problem. You can still take advantage of these pellets on your gas or charcoal grill or smoker by grabbing the cast iron pot option. Buy yourself a nice sampler pack of pellets. You load one-third cup into this pot, then you place it into the cooker or grill, and let that sweet, succulent smoke take care of the rest. Now, since pellets have been processed from sawdust and pressure, which generates heat, any of the contaminants present in the wood are eliminated. This produces a sterile, smoking wood product of consistent quality. Pellets are easy to use since you don't have to soak them in water prior to use. And it's easy to blend wood flavors and produce consistent results each and every time with the use of barbecues or light wood pellets. Now, here's something you need to remember. When you buy them by the one pound, it's all 100% flavor wood. But if you're going to use them to fire a cooker, it changes a little bit. It's two-third oak, one-third fruit wood, giving you that great flavor and consistent BTU temperature that you need. Do yourself a favor. Go and grab Barbecuers Delight wood pellets right now. Visit them at bbqrsdelight.com. Check out all the flavors they have. And stop fussing with the sticks and chunks. 
barbecuers like the choice of barbecue competition cooks and backyard hacks like me. Barbecuersdelight.com. All right, we're coming back with Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grill. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 877-448-0433. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. My uh, first guest, second hour, the director of sales and marketing for Green Mountain Grills. Green Mountain Grills is a pellet-fired cooker, so we're now two weeks in talking about the growing market of pellet cookers, and here to do it, Green Mountain Grills, uh, and talk about them in general, just, you know, pellet cookers in general. Newest sponsor of the show, let's race over the hotline, grab Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. Jason, how are you, buddy? I'm well, Greg. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Jason. I appreciate you making time here for the show. I just mentioned that pellet cookers, or or I guess at least the amount of choice that one has between them has kind of really exploded over the past few years. If you could, give us a little backstory on Green Mountain Grills and how you are associated with the company. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so about, uh, well, at the end of uh, 2007, I uh, I watched my father, uh, who was a pellet grill aficionado for uh, over a decade, uh, utilize a particular grill. And all of us kind of uh, in the family watched him grow um, into this uh, this great pellet griller who kept saying, gosh, I wish I could do this. Uh, I, I wish this grill did this. And he always wanted to make things better, right? So he's one of these guys that uh, – is very comfortable in the import export business he has for for decades, and so when the uh, the patent ran out in 2007, he said, "I'm going to focus on this," and uh, he did. He put together a fantastic grill where he uh, focused on a peaked lid. That was his first thing, uh, and then he focused on uh, measuring temperature from inside uh, the grate. So we know exactly uh, what that temperature is and what how we need to respond to that via the computer controller and how that all talked to the, uh, the fans and the auger motor and, uh, basically started with that. And since then he's, uh, he's put together a heck of a company. Um, I was actually on the outside, uh, doing my own thing for the last six years and, uh, had a great opportunity, obviously watching him uh, grow this business. And I watched the pellet industry as a whole grow. Uh, I got to attend a lot of, uh, events, uh, I was actually at the first HPBA show uh, that we attended, which was uh, which was very interesting. Uh, the pellet grill market was uh, was in its most nascent stages, uh, owned by one uh, particular manufacturer. And today we have uh, quite a few. I mean, there are dozens of pellet grill manufacturers now uh, in the marketplace, which we think is great. Uh, we are we are great to see. Uh, we are excited to see that happen. We want uh, more com- competition in the marketplace. We want more people to 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 become comfortable in pellet grilling. Jason Baker. So that's kind of the backstory. Jason Baker joining us here on the show. Green Mountain Grills. If you want to check them out, if you haven't seen them yet, uh, GreenMountainGrills.com is the website. 
Uh, Jason, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about the product line and uh, the relative price points to each model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the the smallest model that we have is uh, called the Daniel Boone. It's uh, 400 square inches of uh, grilling space. Uh, and the model comes standard with everything except uh, a stainless steel lid, if you wanted a stainless steel lid, or a remote control, uh, if you wanted a remote control. Uh, that That's one thing that we've tried to focus on in, in building this company is to make sure that we are uh, kind of putting everything all inclusive in our grills. Um, our, every single one of our grills comes with an internal probe. So you don't need a Maverick. You don't need a uh, thermal pen. You, you simply need uh, our built-in probe to, uh, to find out the temperature of your meat inside or whatever you're cooking inside your, your pit. Um, our second model is the Jim Bowie, which is um, 600 square inches. And the Jim Bowie is is a um, basically has very similar parts, but it's engineered a little bit differently. So it has. Uh, and, and by the way, I will say this: everything we do is, it, it is based on backwards uh, compatibility. So as we have innovated and as we have uh, upgraded our temperature controller um, and our uh, low pellet alarm or anything that we've done, we've always made sure that uh, these these parts are are interchangeable. And I think that's the one thing that, that I would say uh, that, that we have tried to focus on more than more than anyone in the market is the user ability, the functionality, and the ease uh, of, of working on a grill uh, for posterity. I think it's important when, you know, I hate to get off topic, but I, I do, I'm pretty passionate about this when we, when we talk about this because I think that in this marketplace, people need to understand that uh, there are a lot of moving parts and, uh, uh, things are going to fail. Things are going to happen on these grills, especially if they're not maintained properly or not used properly. Um, but it's okay because um, it, it, everything's very easy to to work on, to fix. Um, and I think that's important for people to know uh, when they're looking at these grills and, and to not get intimidated. Uh, um, so back to the uh, the Jim Bowie. The Jim Bowie has the 600 square inches of grilling space. It, it's about 185 pounds. It's a uh, it's a big grill and it's a fantastic grill uh, that has everything that the, the Daniel Boone has just with more space. And as we're showing it here on the website, it comes in both what looks like a, a powder coat and then also a, a stainless steel finish. Correct. You, the stainless steel steel is the add-on. So if you wanted to uh, purchase a stainless steel lid, uh, you can do that as well. It's it's just uh, another model that we have. All right, uh, Jason Baker joining us here on the show. GreenMountainGrills.com is the website. You know, one of the most important things for any company, you know, especially grill manufacturers and smoker manufacturers, is having a fairly substantial and successful dealer network. How have yeah. you guys been able to expand that? And I guess where do you classify the, the strength of that dealer network right now? Yeah, I would say it's extremely strong. I mean, our business model is, is 100% based on our dealers. We have no intentions of being in any kind of a big box store uh, because we feel that this is a product that can't be just given to you in a box. We do feel that uh, uh, small business owners throughout uh, America, throughout the world at that, at that matter, uh, should, should be providing our grills and setting these grills up, charging the firebox for the customer, uh, putting it together, and uh, making sure that the folks know how to cook on it. 
that's the most important thing that they have a comfort level with how to turn it on, how to turn it off, how to cook on it, what kind of levels to cook at. And we try to provide that, uh, all that help for our dealers, uh, in every way we can. I think that is our, uh, uh, where we stand out, uh, in, uh, amongst our, our competitors, uh, is, is our ability to, uh, serve our dealers to another level. Uh, we are very, very customer driven. So we take care of our customers. Uh, but most importantly as well, we take care of our dealers and we know that dealers are out there promoting our products. Uh, they've, they've homegrown this product from, uh, from the beginning of 2008 and, and done a heck of a job for us. And, uh, we, we are very, we're very, very lucky to, uh, to have this, this expanding network. Um, but the other side of this too, is that I think they like the fact that we're, we're not putting our product in big box stores and, uh, they like the fact that we're not all over the internet and, uh, they like that because they don't have to compete on the price. So, you know, the retail MSRP on the, uh, uh Daniel Boone is 759 and the retail price of the Jambuie is 999. So those, those are good price points for us. Um, and as you know, uh, we are trying to, uh, come up with a product that will be a little bit smaller. We're, we're trying to come up with a version that's, uh, uh, that has a couple hundred, uh, square inches of growing space that, uh, will hopefully be able to reach even more of a market segment and get more people understanding what, uh, pellet grills are and, and have more of a, a comfort level around that price. So that's kind of the, the next product that we really do want to introduce. Uh, soon. All right. So these are pellet grills, pellet cookers, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. Obviously, you're going to need to use pellets in order to fire them. Does Green Mountain Grills require a specific use of a, a certain pellet, uh, or does it not matter? You're not going to be voiding a warranty if I use, you know, a Bear Creek or a Barbecuer's Delight or, you know, a whatever. No. Yeah, we um, we have absolutely no uh Obviously, we love people using our pellets, but, but there's nothing against uh, using any other pellets. Uh, and uh, I would just say that that uh, it, it's silly when 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 folks do that because I think that's a that's a disaster waiting to happen uh, when you tell somebody that they can't uh, utilize a different manufacturer's. Uh, it, it, it's it's not it's not in the spirit of good capitalism, good competition, and that's not what we're about. All right, so you're a fan of pellet cooking in general, obviously, because you kind of seen it evolve from your dad. What do you like mm-hmm. about using a pellet cooker versus a more traditional wood or charcoal fired cooker? Yeah, so for me, it's it's flavor. Uh, I've I've cooked on on gas, I've cooked on on charcoal, and um, I have a very strong comfort level with uh, the ease of our grill. I I don't have anything against uh, charcoal for taste. I think it, it, I think charcoal has always had great taste. Uh, it's just uh, the, the cleanliness and the ease of it, uh, it is supplemented, in my opinion. Uh, and I and I do think that uh, um, I get angry when I have to cook on a on a propane grill. Period. If I'm somewhere else and uh, I've got to I've got to use somebody's propane grill, and I'm I've just become a snob when it comes to that. So that's that's easy for me to talk about. And and frankly, that that is the uh, from a from a competition standpoint. If if I'm to be frank. That's that's the competition that that everybody should be focusing on in the pellet grill market is um, is taste and and focusing on that against uh, against gas uh, grills. Um, you know, I think that's an easy uh, segment for folks to to start really focusing on. One of the common feedback items that I hear from folks that are using pellet cookers 
is that maybe the smoke isn't as intense or it isn't penetrating as much as a, a stick burner or a, a Weber Smoky Mountain charcoal fire cooker that has wood chunks. How do you find that on the Green Mountain Grill? Yeah, you know, from my standpoint, I, I'm i very focused on a number of different uh, things that I, fo- that I like to grill. But I, I'll tell you, my, my tri-tip, when I, when I smoke my tri-tip, uh, I will smoke it for uh, a couple hours and sometimes I, and then obviously bring it up to uh, the internal temperature. And there are times where I'll go, that's too much smoke. I needed to back off of that a little bit. And I'm cooking that at 150 um, for a couple hours. So the argument that it's not getting enough smoke uh, in other pellet grills, I, I'm not certain uh, wh- where that would come from. Uh, but yeah, in the Green Mountain pellet grill, I can definitely tell you that the, the smoke and the smoke ring that, that uh, uh, is coming off of there is unbelievable. Jason Baker joining me here on the show, Green Mountain Grills. Uh, he's the director of sales and marketing for that company. GreenMountainGrills.com is the place to go to check them out. Do, do you use your cooker as more of, of a smoker, or do you split it pretty evenly between low and slow and uh, the higher temperatures? Yeah, so my wife uh, probably does uh, a little a little over uh, half of our cooking in our household. So most of what she's cooking for us on a Green Mountain Grill is going to be uh, a quick uh, chicken or uh, steaks um, or vegetables, what have you. So that's going to be stuff that's cooked up at the 400 to 500 degree range. Um, I'm more focused on the low and slow uh, cooking uh, on the weekends. If I'm going to do ribs uh, or I'm going to do my tri-tip or, but it's going to be more the low, low and slow. So that's, that's the, that's the beauty of the, uh, of the pellet grill. It's the versatility. Do you have other grills that you own and, and use on a fairly regular basis, or is it just GMGs in the back? It's just GMGs in the back now. I, I did used to have a uh, – I started with a uh, propane grill, and uh, I did have a Weber uh, charcoal grill, and uh, I've since uh, – I, I just haven't used it, so I, I donated to a friend. But I did uh, have it for a while and obviously migrated away from that uh, to, to be solely GMG. All right, Jason, so let me ask you this. When Traeger lost their patent on the auger system, the industry saw you know, quite a, an explosion of new pellet cookers come to the market. And you said competition was good, and you, just, you sound like you're a pretty uh, fair guy when it comes to uh, capitalism and all this stuff. Do you see this kind of a trend continuing? Do you expect to see more pellet grill manufacturers come to market, or do you kind of see uh, maybe a waning of growth of manufacturers but more uh, of a, a portfolio from the current manufacturing base to offer to the people yeah i actually i think if i were to sit here and say what does 2020 look like i would say that um the majority of (laughs) right it's a little far out but but i would say the majority of manufacturers out there will be in a position where they will be providing a pellet grill to the marketplace um, I, I do believe that uh, the, the, the bigger companies out there, whether they purchase, uh, uh, do some M&A in the, in, in, in the industry, uh, that may be a possibility. But I think everybody will gravitate towards this because uh, it's another fuel source. I, I think that people are understanding that uh, this is just one more fuel source that, uh, that we have in pellets. Um, as I see more pellet mills popping up around the country, um, it's, it's something that's going to, that's going to be used more and people are going to see it. Uh, I'm seeing more pellet stoves come out. I'm seeing, um, uh, a lot more just pellet, uh, manufacturers 
uh, come out of the woodwork. So no pun there, but, uh, anyhow, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's an exciting time for, for pellet growing. Jason Baker joining me here on the show. You know, Jason, some people would consider pellet cooking to be, you know, cheating in a way. When I say some people, I'm obviously I'm, I'm squaring up on the niche of barbecue. I'm not talking about the people that are on the periphery here because there is in a way, no real fire management skill needed, and perhaps that's the beauty of it. Do you think it's important for barbecuers to have some kind of vessel that makes them learn fire management, or is that something we're just kind of past at this point? Well, I think, I think there's a niche for everybody. I think for the typical uh, everyday backyard smoker uh, that, that wants to, uh, or barbecuer that wants to know how to smoke, um, I think this is the grill for them. I think that... Uh, the, the focus on uh, pellet grills is going to be more on ease and technology and and uh, just making sure that the, the customers have a, a comfort level around these grills. Um, but you're always going to have uh, folks that say, I don't, that's, <laughs> I was at a barbecue competition not too long ago in, in Arizona and um, <laughs> I watched one of the competitors uh, come by and you know, stick a jab with the guy said, Hey man, how's your easy bake oven doing? You know? <laughs> and, uh, the guy, the guy beat him on his brisket. So I don't know, but, uh, I, I Hey, look, it, it's, it, I think that I think everybody loves ease and I think everybody loves technology. And, uh, when you compare those two things together, I think it's a win-win. All right. So you study the competition, you know, there's, uh, you know, all of the other brands that are available right now, you've probably taken them apart, putting them back together 50 different times just to see kind of what you're up against. So aside from the green mountain grill, which is probably your favorite. What company do you think has the, the best line of pellet cookers second to yours? Oh, wow. Yeah, so I do know these, these cookers very well, and, and I have, uh, I've had an opportunity to use quite a few of them. And um, I, I would say that um, I think that, that there, are, there, are, there are strengths in every one that I've looked at. Um, I, I do appreciate uh, what, what uh, Yoder's doing. I appreciate what um, uh, Grill is doing and definitely appreciate what uh, Louisiana has done in the past. Um, so they're, you know, it's one of those things where, and I have to appreciate what, what Traeger has done. I mean, Traeger has, has obviously pioneered this, and um, uh, we are now in a position uh, where we are, where all of us are because of them and because of their introduction. So I, I do like what they have done. I just think that, where, where we stand out as a company and where we try to stand out as a company is, is to continue to innovate and make sure that we're continuing down uh, the path of innovation and making sure that we're listening to what the, our customers are asking for and implementing those into the marketplace. But um, all those companies I mentioned, and I, and I didn't mention all of them, Greg, but, but they're all doing something right. So when can we expect this new grill you were talking about? That's what every, <laughs> I mean, you know, bottom line, that's what everybody wants to know. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to come out and, and promise uh, and, and under deliver. I'm I'm going to tell you that we are we are very very close, closer than anticipated. Uh, we would be at this point. My hope is that we can get it out before uh, football season starts. That would be my hope. Uh, will that happen? I don't know. I, I would be very excited if I could be. Uh, attending some NFL events, uh, showing off the product. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll look forward to that, and uh, we'll listen for updates. Uh, Jason Baker is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Green Mountain Grills. Jason, appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks for doing it. Great. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I, uh, 
I'm still thinking about your toilet comment. I think that was that was hilarious. Toilet? And, uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the, the, you're, you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, 71 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I mean, that's that's remarkable, that guy. All right, Jason, hold on a second. But, um, you're not going to get away. Hold on. We're going to do uh, Survey Tuesday with you. You brought it up, oh, so no. here we go. Uh, oh, how no. how many hot dogs could Jason Baker eat in 10 minutes? Jeez. Be you honest. said you could do 20? I think I could do 20. You think you could do 20? I, uh, oof, gosh. Did I match that? I think I could match that. All right, I think 20 I could do 20. All right, uh, question number two. Now, maybe you have already. Uh, biggest reasons you haven't uh, started your own barbecue competition cooking team? Uh, I, like you, am, am very comfortable where I'm at, and uh, I, I, it's tough for me on criticism. Boy, I'll tell you, I think my food is good, so I don't need anyone to tell me it's there not. You go. Question number three, best chain burger joint? Uh, I'm a West Coast guy. It's In-N-Out. In-N-Out burger every day of the week, no doubt. All right, Jace, uh, appreciate you coming on tonight. We'll look for you again soon. Greg, thank you, and happy birthday. Thank you very much. Take care. There he is, Jason Baker. Green Mountain Grills. Check them out, greenmountaingrills.com. All right, let's uh, do this quick break. We'll come back with Dave Bosca here in just a second. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about the longest-running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. Gang, if you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices for your cookers, then stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why would you buy one from any other company? Maybe you're not familiar with how these little beauties work. I'm not going to get into the minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and once set, it keeps it running at the set temperature all the way through the cook. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. This is real life, and you could take advantage of this technology today. Now, maybe you're a busy working professional, or perhaps you are constantly on the run with the kids doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to sit around and tend pit temperatures. Barbecue Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. The Barbecue Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Now, we have a bunch of different options to choose from. You have that new unit, the uh, the uh, CyberQ Wi-Fi. So if you have access to a hotspot, I believe it has Internet connectivity already in it. Whatever the case may be, if you have a smartphone or a laptop computer, or a tablet or whatever, you can just connect right into it. You can make adjustments on the fly. You can see where your cooking temperatures are at. You can see where your meat temperatures are at internally. It's fabulous. They also have the CyberQ2 unit. Still the DigiQ DX2 and that PartyQ, which is $129 for most cookers. Uh, ceramic cookers are at $139. But it's the easiest point of entry into pit temperature control devices. It's a self-contained package, and it runs on AA batteries. Now, maybe you're in the market for a cooker. Look no further than this Onyx oven. Folks, the Onyx oven has been winning on the competition circuit as well as in backyards all over the country. It's fully insulated. It holds a ton of meat. It accommodates half and full pans that you would find for food service. And, of course, you know it's going to work seamlessly with any of the Barbecue Guru temperature devices that you're going to buy. Do yourself a favor. Please, do me a favor. Head on over to thebbqguru.com. Check out the products. If you have any questions on what to order, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure that you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We're racing over 
to get Dave Bosca right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, uh, we are back. Thanks to Jason Baker for joining me again last segment. Helping me close out the show tonight, one of my favorite guests because of his vast knowledge of meat. And yes, he is one of the best pitmasters on the competition circuit as well. So we'll go ahead and race over the hotline. Welcome back in pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue, Dave Bosca, joining me here on the show. Dave, how are you, buddy? Uh, we're doing good, Greg. First, first off, happy birthday. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you. Uh, and the uh, 18 cases of sauce was absolutely spectacular. I had no idea it was coming. I appreciate it so much. You have no idea. Okay, it really wasn't 18 cases of sauce. People are going crazy right now, of course. Very jealous. Um, Dave, let's start with what's going on over the last couple weeks competition-wise. Two weeks ago, it was Reserve in Artesia. I believe it's Artesia, New Mexico. And then a Grand this past weekend in Rio Rancho. You know, not a too bad week, uh, not a a bad two-week stint for you and the team. Are you kind of in the midst of, of hitting a good stride right now? Well... Yeah, I'd say we're we're hitting our stride or a stride. Um, I had one uh, cook tell me that doesn't seem that I I get to cook until it gets hot outside. So I was teasing with him and told him, "Heck, I'll take a space heater and I'll turn it on if that's what it takes." <laughs> well, this past weekend seemed to be an exceptionally good cook. Nothing lower than a seventh place. Uh, you won chicken and brisket outright, and there were a lot of great teams there to boot. Do you think, it, does it really, and I hear it all the time from pitmasters, I don't know if they're just trying to be modest or not, but do you really think it comes down to the tables at that point when you have such an array of talent around you? Or could I possibly make an argument that Butcher's Barbecue was really uh, the best barbecue that day? Because points-wise, you really put the wood to the rest of the team, I guess uh, no pun intended, 18-point spread almost between you and Mike Davis, who was reserved. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as saying it was the best of that day. Uh, any good cook can win at any given time, but I will say I think the real trick to cook in competition barbecue and being successful at it is finding a process, a, re- a recipe, and a way of cooking it that is repeatable from week in, week out, week in, week out. And I really feel that my complete process from aging the meat, trimming it, prepping it, cooking it, all that goes into play, and that's what makes it real consistent every single week. So maybe this is, in the back of my mind, what basically stops me from wanting to at least give it a try. You you invest this money. You're going to go out. I know I'm going to get my ass handed to me right off the bat, probably the first many number of times. So for me to sit there and say, well, there's not going to be any return on that, it's fun, it's great, I'm seeing a lot of great people, I know all of that, but I'm a competitor at heart and I want to win and kill everybody in the process. How are you able to gauge 
as you're building all the stuff that you were talking about, how are you able to gauge you know, how it's working and, and when you need to start making adjustments, if it's not, to better your position? You know if you hit your points. Um, when you're finished cooking, you're finished slicing, dicing, chopping, whatever, and you're put it in that box, you know if it is really as good as it can get. If it's not, don't expect the judges to give you the, the best score possible if you didn't think it was. I know what, 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 I, what, what I want my food to be whenever I turn it in. And I'm, I am brutally honest with myself. Um, and I will say that chicken, that chicken is it. That's money. Or I will say, no, that I didn't, I didn't like it as much this time. Or same thing with all my different food. You know, when the turn ins are done, if you're in the hunt. Now, that's all you can control. That's all you can do. You can't do nothing more than that. You then hope. And then you actually, I myself, I look at the contest I go to and the reps from KCBS that are running them. You get to know how they run the tent, how they run the judges. And that plays in it also. How do they distribute the master CVJs and the first-time judges? How do they uh, uh, instruct them to judge? All that makes a difference on your product. But if you don't hit your point, I think you're fooling yourself thinking that you got great food um, if the points weren't hit. And you just keep saying, yeah, that was the best there was. And you're not honest with yourself and saying, dude, that, that brisket was kind of flat. Um, uh, I know that. I, I should expect first. I, that should be a 10 through 20th type. Brisket. You just gotta you gotta be honest with yourself first. Dave Bosca joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Butcher Barbecue. Of course, the website butcherbbq.com. Your ninth overall currently team of the year, KCBS. Um, we're almost midway through July, I guess. So a little more than half the season gone, but lots of big competitions yet to hit. This is where they really start to pick up. I think we talked about at the beginning of the year. I mean, you're still making that effort and, and chasing team of the year at this point. Yeah, we don't have but probably a third of the contest in for the year. Uh, we are above where we were last year at this point in the team of the year race, and we're sitting at seventh or ninth, I mean. We went up high. We've been down low. And that's just a matter of taking just a couple of weeks and not hitting. Um, high, high congrats to everybody that's in the hunt right now and, and what you have to remember is it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So everybody's got to keep going at it. All right, so I don't want to put you on the spot here, Dave, but since you're on the phone and it's my show, I'm going to do it anyway. You look at the top five, Tippy Canoe, True Bud, Little Pig Town, uh, Pigskin Barbecue, and Big T's Q Crew. You know, uh, one, two, at least three of the top five, that being Tippy Canoe, True Bud, and Big T, seem to be winning quite a bit recently. D- do you see out of these five teams that might have more of a propensity to drop off back into the pack as you know the, the bigger portion of the season sets in well i don't think that's fair for me to say who's going to drop off um but i will say i've got two good friends in there and i know how good they cook um that's little pig town yep. and Blue Bud. both those guys are top-notch cooks and 
not taking nothing away from the other guys. I just don't know them well enough to to answer that. But those those two guys, they're in it for the for the long haul. And um, if I'm not right there with them, it's going to be my own fault. So. Yeah, that's that's the best way to answer that. One of the most important questions that I need to know from your expertise of being on the competition trail is this bet that I have with uh, Chad Ward from Whiskey Bent Barbecue. Do, do you think it's a safe bet that True Bud might finish ahead of Bubba Q and you know Bubba Latimer, so I can save my hair from being shaved off? Is that a safe bet? Do you think? I I think it's a safe bet. Let me say this: Tim's Tim's got a. Uh, uh, a goal, and it's not your hair, but it's it's definitely <laughs> in the team of the year. Hey, well, if, if hair factors in anywhere that that keeps him motivated, I'm definitely happy about that because I don't want to be bold uh, because that doesn't work well in my house, if you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> you know, Dave, you've been to a lot of competitions over the years. Uh, you have a process that's working for you right now, and, you know, I wonder as you show up to a competition, you know, maybe you're looking at the list to see who's coming in, maybe you're not, whatever the case may be. Are there teams that give you a little bit of intimidation when they show up in an event, or are you just well past that at this point and it doesn't matter who shows up? I'm scared of every one of the damn guys. Um, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, I, I, I've been beat by what most folks call a backyarder. I've been beat by the pros. and uh, Intimidated? No, I ain't intimidated because – I truly believe in my heart that they know better than we are, and we ain't no better than they are. I just, it's just who can hit their final points, and um, anybody can do that. Uh, it just takes a good, pardon the, the pun of the word, but a pit master. And this last weekend where we were sitting in New Mexico, I was watching some of the top guys, and they were struggling with their pits due to the wind and the altitude, and Mine was just purring right along, so I, I felt like we had a better pit pit mastering. So I was hoping I had the edge. Where uh, where are you guys going to be competing at next? Norman, Oklahoma. Right. And is that uh, this coming weekend, or you got a little time off? Yeah, no, no, that's this weekend. Um, we'll be in Norman. Then I'm going to Kansas for a few weeks. Uh, we'll be cooking there for two or three weeks in a row. Uh, uh, trying to think then. Gosh, I got it lined out for about the next month and a half, but I, I don't remember it all exactly off the top of my head. Yeah, pretty busy schedule, it sounds like. All right, so let's transition a little bit in a couple different areas here, Dave, while I got you on the phone. Uh, we saw Season 3 of Barbecue Pitmasters come to an end. Uh, it's already been picked up prior to the show actually ending, which has never happened for the show. Uh, did you watch it? Did you like it? Yeah, I watched every one of them. Um, did I like it? Yeah, I sure did. I liked it. What, what do you like about it? I liked uh, that it didn't get crazy with with all the junk. Uh, I like I like the ability that the guys got to cook barbecue. Um, I think the the guys judging uh, did a decent job. Uh, there's a couple segments of uh, folks that follow me on Facebook seen my big thing at the first with the brisket about how they judged the guy for not putting his burn ends in there. <laughs> Two pitmasters that are in the competitive world, <laughs> I, I, I kind of kind of slammed them a little bit by like, come on, guys, you're slamming them for what you always preach, judge what's in the box. Yeah. And then on that the, that last episode, they judged Viva Q for not putting 
the product in the box properly. And I'm like, what the heck? That's the exact opposite of what you said the last time. So, you know, uh, they did a good job. I like the way it all came together, the way it was, was constructed. Uh, you could tell that they had their, their belts tightened a little more versus the last one there. Things came out in a nice chest instead of a semi. Um, they didn't have four or five guys and gals running around for the show. You, I, there wasn't as much uh, free play with the, the camera. There was like there was just one or two camera guys. So I think it was a little tighter belted as far as money, but it still came together and made a good show. Given your druthers, if if the original media and John Marcus came to you and said, Dave, what would you like to see change to the show? What do you think would make it better? Would one of those suggestions be adding the the upper echelon of teams and, and the sanctioning bodies versus getting that wide array or, or wide mix of teams that they had on this year? Well, I don't know if it would be great for audiences. Uh, in a business standpoint, um, let me ask you, who are the top cooks that are on, that you would say is on the show? Let me, let me turn tight. Let me ask you that, Greg, who would you say is the top cooks? Who, who are the top cooks on the show or who would I like to see on the show? Who would you say are the top cooks in the nation right now? Oh, uh, so that's Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue, uh, Tippy, Tippy Canoe, uh, Q um, I mean, I, I mean, he's not high in the rankings right now, but I I love Mike Davis. I mean, he always seems to uh-huh. to really pull through. Okay, out out of out of those guys, only one have ever been on TV. Um, let's say you added uh, Munchin Hogs at the Hill, man. Uh, you added Pellet Envy. Yeah, well, you add those those guys. Um, they're not the ones that's going to pull ratings in. Um, the Triggs, the uh, the Myrons, the they those are already household names. Uh, the Bobby Flays. Yeah, but Bobby uh, Flay so isn't going to be on that show. Uh, and Johnny Trigg is is you know household yes, but they they made an effort to get these guys that. And no offense, that most you know a lot of people didn't hear. Of. There was a good portion of that. So if you take and I I finally got to personally meet Robert McGee from Munch and Hogs the Hilton uh, a couple weeks ago. And, look, some of these guys you talk to, they're great cooks. Their personality is shit, so they're going to make bad television. But those guys that you just mentioned, they, they have really good personalities, too, and they're top cooks. So I guess, to some degree, I wouldn't mind seeing that because they're kind of giving you both. They're top cooks, but they're good at, they, they would be good in front of the camera with that personality. I think so, and I think cooks like, uh, as you said, threw myself in there, I don't know if we'd want to do a staged setup like that, uh, but I personally would like to see more of a documentary style. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow a KCBS team all the way from the meat out, uh, all the way from buying their meat. All the, I mean, that's that. I think uh, yeah. a neat setup that could be under the something else. But as far as a cooking show. Uh, uh, this last round, I thought was really, really good. I, I don't know if there'd be any major improvements or not. Yeah, I think that's this was probably the best effort so far. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, transition out of the TV talk and let's get into what you know best, which is beef talk. 
Uh, for the people that don't know Dave Bosca, and this would probably be more towards the people that are going to pick this up on podcasts and are just kind of periphery fans of the show and of barbecue and grilling, what's the background in the beef business with Dave Bosca? I've been in the meat business uh, just 30 years, just a hair over 30 years. Um, I started out in a little bitty small mom pa retail meat market grocery store. Uh, I had a 70-year-old man teach me how to cut hanging beef back when I was 15 years old. Um, and I actually, I literally fell in love with cutting the meat, packaging it, making sure it was right, and doing everything I could do to sell it in the time frame that the meat allowed. Um, I grew from there. Uh, I started cutting meat in chain stores around Oklahoma, uh, become a market manager. Um, I went on to national large warehouse food chains. Um, I was with Sam's Club. When I started with Sam's Club, there was 14 meat markets in the company. Um, I grew from there. I went to the East Coast. I lived in New England for a while. Opened up, oh, 20, 25 different Sam's Clubs up there. Traveled all around over there. Came back to Oklahoma. Went, uh, stayed with Sam's for a long time. Did some more traveling in different states for them. And finally, I was getting tired of the corporate world and doing all that. So I went back to work in a little bitty, little, little, little bitty grocery store and finally uh, decided to open up my own place. And I've been doing that ever since. Is that the, is, is that, is this the best time that you've had doing it? Or did you kind of enjoy each position that you were at, each station you were at? I, I love every bit I, I've done my whole life. I, there is, there is not another job. I want or am have regret I have never taken. Uh, I I love cutting meat. I get up at six o'clock. I'm I'm I go I go to work every morning for myself. Uh, I my son now works with me in the meat shop, and I absolutely love educating people that that we we go out and still do the farm kill. Um, we bring it back. We hang it up. Um, educate people on how all that works. There's there's nothing I'd rather be doing right now. Dave Bosca joining me here on the show. ButcherBBQ.com is the website if you want to check it out and grab some of his uh, injections, sauces, rubs, marinades. He's got that grill product, absolutely fantastic. You know, Dave, one of the things that I've heard recently, especially over the last couple of years, is this whole trend of artisan beef. Uh, like I said, it's gained some recent popularity. And, and I guess what I mean by that, from birth to slaughter, knowing where – your beef comes from, what kind of, almost like wines and vintages. Have you noticed an increase of this kind of thing or this kind of interest from people as they're coming into the market? Are people asking you, where did this cut come from uh, and what was it fed on and how is this going to taste and blah, blah, blah? I would say there's been an increase in folks wanting the what you call artisan beef, or what uh, been also coined as uh, natural, to where people can know it's not doesn't have anything hormones in it, all the way from the feed that it ate, all that. But the problem with that is people don't want to pay for it. The, the where these feedlots can feed thousands, hundreds of thousands of beef and buy it, and train loads of food and the 
the small producer cannot do that. They they cannot raise five for they they can raise five, but it's going to be the same cost. Uh, I'm sorry, they can raise a hundred for the same cost of five. So it's going to cost a lot. And the end users right now, we're not willing to pay for that luxury. I don't think there's as many as what the public newspapers and news media is out there to be. Um, and I forget what else you asked, Hick. No, that was that was pretty much it right there. I don't know if people want to know about this or not, but I do. And I don't know how many people think about it, and I would imagine you've seen this quite a bit through the the years in the business. If you could, kind of take us through a, a slaughter process. Uh, what kind of conditions have you seen? Have you seen tremendously bad conditions? Uh, have you seen any type of reform or legislation that has been passed to make sure that these areas are you know clean and sterile? What what have you seen, and what kind of a, of a, an environment are we working in today? Okay, overall, this is the best conditions in the world is what's going on right now. Just like everything else out there right now, it's um, more people are in this, and the governor, governing agencies that oversee us are being ran by the government. They're understaffed, and they're giving three and four times more plants to go visit and to look at than what they did 15, 20 years ago. So it's just like everything else. Conditions drop when you don't have an oversight committee to tell you to pick that up, put that away. It just becomes natural to let it slide. And then that's what ends up becoming in the, the, meet, the mass media. That's what everybody hears about. But for the most part, owners of the small plants like myself have personal pride in what they do and what they do. They, they turn out, uh, the conditions are generally always good. To walk you through uh, uh, the kill, there, there's kill floors that farmers can bring their animals in. They can set them up in pens, and then we run them in one at a time. And some guys use a stun gun on the, the smaller animals, the hogs and stuff. Some guys will use... Uh, a gun. We still use a, a 22 mag on ours. Some folks have uh, blank shots that come out of a shoots a, a metal rod out, just just enters them and come back safe, uh, retracts back in. And then, they, uh, like, and then you're doing that like in the the brainstem or in the head or like a, why? Where are you shooting them at? Uh, you actually shoot them between the eyes, about about three quarters inch up. Wow. Um, we, myself, my plant, we don't have a kill floor. We still do the farm kill. We we have a big gooseneck truck, uh -huh. and we schedule them out. I'm I've got animals scheduled for this whole year, and then about fifty animals scheduled for next year already. And we still go out to the farm. We uh. Kill them, kill them on the farm. We skin them, gut them, hang them up, quarter them, roll them in the truck, and then load up all the non-essentials, all the offalls, bring everything back to my plant, and hang, start rolling them in the cooler, weighing up, rolling them in the cooler, and, and start letting them age. 
All right, so at this point, it's probably like no big deal. You do it every day like eat chips and drink Coca-Cola. Was there a point at, 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 some, at some point where it was a little awkward for you to off the cow or it didn't matter? No. Um, heck, I can sit on that cow and eat dinner. That doesn't make any difference. Um, as far as, as that, you know, when you open up the pots, it's it's never a pleasant smell, but it's it's just something you get used to. It's there's there's folks that work in sewage plants, and I'm sure you know they don't smell nothing. But uh, it's I I, I don't have no problem with it. All right, so once you get them back to your plant, and you quarter them, and you you do away with whatever the stuff you're not going to be able to do anything with. You know, how do you go about butchering down the meat into what consumers are going to get? And, you know, are you grading that stuff or is somebody else coming in to grade it or st- stuff being – I've heard that the best cuts are always being shipped off to Japan because Americans won't pay for that stuff. Uh, you know, how much of that is true and how much of that is fiction? In large plants, I'm talking XL, IDP, that type of thing, um, they're – what there, there again, it goes back to what I was saying a while ago. The inspector has approximately seven seconds to grade the animal. That's not that long. Wow. He has to look between the 13th and 14th rib, and he grades it. He rolls it, and it goes down the line. Um, there's not a lot of time for the inspector on that end. Um, as far as separating it, um, there's different... There again, we're getting back into the CAB, the different programs that will Swift has some on pork that uh, up having of a, a higher grade yield grade, a higher marbling grade. Every manufacturer has that, and they do separate that. Um, but as far as that, uh, the programs for that. In my personal plant, we don't do any retail. Our meat is, per se, not inspected for retail. It Everything we do is inspected for the consumer. The farmers get everything back on my end. So we, we just call the, the farmers, get the cut instructions, how they want to cut, how thick, how many in a package, how big a package of hamburger, what patties, what sausage. Um, stuff of that nature, and we usually let it hang anywhere for 10 days to two weeks. The coolers have a big play in that, how much moisture is in the cooler, how much humidity, airflow, the what we call cover on the, the animal, how much fat's on it. Um, then we'll roll it into the cutting tables after the time has passed, and we start start cutting it up. Dave Bosca joining us here on the show, uh, talking about a little bit of uh, the meat business. So there was this huge rage going on and on about mislabeling of meat, and Kobe here is not Kobe because it's not from Kobe, Japan, and then uh, Wagyu came, which is American Kobe, and maybe that's not even the case. What is exactly the deal with these, uh, this mislabeling? Is it as bad as everyone is making it out to be? Is there not really Wagyu or Kobe? or you know, What's going on here for consumers? It's not being mislabeled. It's being mismarketed. Um, the labeling is correct. It, it, it's labeled as Wagyu beef. Wagyu is just 
American bread beef. Uh, Kobe is the, from the Kobayashi Japan, or however that's said. That's Kobe beef. Here in the United States, it's labeled as Wagyu, and that's where it goes out. The marketing folks call it Kobe style. Uh, the restaurant owners call it Kobe style. The butchers behind the counters call them Kobe beef. When it's not, it's Wagyu beef, Kobe style. But they leave off the first part, and they have mis- misled folks and make them believe that it is from Japan when it's just the American iced version of the beef. All right. One of the other hot topics earlier in the year, and it's probably been going on uh, for a number of years, is pink slime. And th- did it get kind of a bad rap? Yeah, I'd say it got a bad rap. Uh, I know what it is. I'm not super educated on that. Uh, I do a lot of reading. I get weekly stuff from the government. The, the folks that I know that use it, or did use it, they've they've been hurt because they can't get it anymore. And the final use is going to be the consumer. What it originally started out being was they were able to extract the last bit of meat proteins from bones. And people thought that it was things that went to dog food or things that were inedible. Well, they were only inedible because we said it was now inedible. If it's not in if we don't claim it as being an edible, it's still an edible product. The only difference between the bones that went in those camps and the bones that were in the meat, let's say a T-bone, is we threw those in the can and said it's no longer an edible. If we took that same T-bone, we threw it in the can, it's now classified inedible. Hmm. All they did was they started finding better ways to get more product from the same amount of meat. That lowered the cost of all meat across the board. And then as soon as they said that stuff isn't what it is claimed to be, prices jumped drastically, and they haven't went back down completely yet. Uh, A lot of people lost their jobs out of it because of the um, plant shutting down. For about a month, the government, I'm sorry, the, the factories had to ship in train loads of briskets from Brazil and Canada to offset the grinding, um, the ground beef uh, requirements to just make uh, contracts. Wow. And over time, they're, they're going to get back to what they were. All right, so is there... I don't know if we're potentially breaking any stories or if you have any idea about this, but is is there some type of a pink slime component when it comes to pork as well? Um, I, I don't know. I can't answer that. I, you're talking with more knowledge. You need to find someone with more knowledge than me on that. I, I don't know that. All right. Uh, next question. A very popular cooking class that took place earlier in the year. Any more cooking classes for the rest of the year that you're going to schedule? Yeah, I'm I'm in the process of getting all the paperwork together and it up on the website, but we will have one the very end of December in Southern California. And I am talking with one of your sponsors that contacted me about 10 days ago 
of having one in March um, on the East Coast. Oh, I bet I know who that is. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Now, this uh, I talked about it, uh, I believe it was the first uh, read that I did, is this Butcher Barbecue's new trade-in program. So if I'm not happy with a competitor's injection and I have 15 pounds of it because I thought it was going to be the best thing ever because 20 people told me, and then I realized I don't like it or my score started to tumble, now I can uh, fill out a form on the website, uh, butcherbbq.com, go to trade-in, fill out this form, and then send back the amount that I have left of the competitor stuff, and then you're going to send me back similar but the butcher's brand of, of whatever I send you. Absolutely. With, without ever even thinking about it, we'll weigh it. If I see you got a pound, I'll send you a pound of butcher's barbecue injection. If I see you got two pounds, that's what we'll send you back. Where or why or what is the impetus for a trade-in program? Were you getting a lot of feedback from people at competition saying, I bought X and X and I just don't like it, and you got enough feedback where you're like, hey, makes sense for me to put this trade-in program together where I'm keeping my customers happy, but now I have potential of kind of sheeping off of the competition as well. Okay, I'll go with that. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> was it not the, was it um, not that difficult? Um, it, yeah, it's marketing. Um, I I'm in business. Um, we've got some good competitions out there, good competitors out there. Um, I'm just trying to spread my product out there with folks that have been taken in with uh, mismarketing. Let's call it. All right, and then is that something that's just going to run ongoing, or is that going to be like a limited-time-only thing? Haven't decided yet. We'll see how large it gets. Um, if there's a lot of product out there we get back, and we've already started getting lots of calls, and how do I go about this? Uh, once I fill up a 55-gallon drum of this stuff or a pickup bed of this stuff, we might just switch it, and we might try it with rubs or something. Who knows? We'll see. So the ongoing question in my mind is what are you going to do with all the competitor stuff? Um, I may have to call a DEQ or something with the stuff that other people have out there. They may have to have it added out or something. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Who knows? Uh, but it's a step of marketing genius here by Dave Bosca. And again, you can find him at butcherbbq.com. Dave Bosca runs Butcher Barbecue and the Pitmaster for the same team name, Dave, always appreciate the time, and thanks for coming on tonight. Greg, appreciate you. And tell your family thanks for sharing you on your birthday. Oh, you got it, absolutely, and I appreciate the uh, birthday wishes. There he is. Dave Bosco, Butcher Barbecue. If you don't like your injection, send it to Dave. He's going to give you uh, his product back in return. You've wasted nothing. All right, last one before we go, gang. Let me tell you quickly about Tasty Lake's Barbecue Supply. Look, unsavory businesses and creeping marauders at each and every turn on the Internet. I think we can all agree on that. But sometimes you're looking for a barbecue or a grilling item that just isn't stocked anywhere in your hometown or the next town over or the next town over from that. Your options have become limited, and you are now forced to go online to buy that item or you're forced to go without it. Now, the Internet grips that's in. The hands start to sweat. Your neck tightens. You have been screwed on Internet purchases before, and you don't want it to happen again. 
After all, this is your hard-earned money that you're spending, and you need to feel confident that the company you are buying from is honest and fair. Great news, folks. Let Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue relieve you of your Internet buying stresses. Tasty Licks has one of the most complete inventories of barbecue and grilling items anywhere on the face of the earth. All the items that you see on Fred's website are in stock, and they're ready to ship to you directly. Are there other places on the Internet that might have an item cheaper? Perhaps. But are you 100% confident that you're actually going to get the item you buy? How long is it going to take for you to get there? All great questions that no one can answer with 100% assurity. That's why when you buy from Tasty Lakes Barbecue Supply, the items are in the store and they ship to you promptly, and everything in the store is priced fairly. Tasty Lakes carries grills, smokers, ceramic cookers, electric cookers, various charcoal types, wood chunks and chips, cookbooks, accessories. If they don't have it, you don't need it. And on top of all of that, Fred carries many of the show sponsors in his store as well. So you're doing an almost uh, two-for-one type deal, sponsoring, or you're shopping at a sponsor, and you're buying a sponsor's products. It's the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds. And don't forget that Tasty Licks has their own line of barbecue rubs and sauces as well. Be sure to try those. So do yourself a favor. Head on over to TastyLicksBBQ.com and let the confidence exude from you as you make your purchases online. Then you enjoy your items upon delivery. Don't forget that Fred and the gang are there to help you with after-the-sales help if you need it. TastyLicksBBQ.com. We're going to come back and wrap the show up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right. Thanks again to Dave Bosker for joining me. You probably didn't plan on spending 35 minutes with me. Hey, when you're a sponsor of the show, sometimes you got to suck it up, spread the wealth. And by wealth, I mean knowledge. Lots to go back and review. If you just listen to it live, this is going to be another segment of Dave's where you're going to want to go download it and uh, see what you missed. Or go back, make sure you're writing stuff down, questions to ask, whatever the case may be. I uh, always appreciate he, uh, the fact that, A, he sponsors the show, that he finds it valuable enough to actually spend money on uh, being a part of it. Uh, but... He could drop tomorrow, and he would be a guy that I would want to have back on uh, on a fairly regular basis just because of the amount of knowledge that he has, uh, because how successful that he is uh, in the cooking realm as well, which is a big part of the show. So uh, thanks to Dave. All right, uh, that's going to do it uh, tonight, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I remind you that we had, in the very first hour, Rocky Stubblefield from Stubbs Barbecue. Talking about the history of that company and the sauce. We also had, at some point, Joey Chestnut, who ended up doing about 25 minutes or so, talking about the innards of competition barbecue. He ate 68 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I could eat 20. Book it. And I'll debate whether I want to do that next week. I don't want to throw up on the show, though. You don't want to see me throw up. Some of you do. And then we had, in the second hour, Jason Baker from Green Mountain Grills. GreenMountainGrills.com. Check out their line of cookers. The uh, 
They have powder coat and stainless as an option. Stainless would be the option. And remotes, too. And then we close out the show with Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue. Also, that trade-in program, if you're unhappy with your injection, go to the website, butcherbbq.com, and click on trade-in. Go from there. All right, let me remind you to control the rusty, grill-grate population. If you cook with raw cast iron, do yourself and others a favor. After every cook, as it starts to cool down, hit it with a little bit of Pam or a little bit of Crisco. Let it bake in. It'll give you years of rust-free service, generations of rust-free service, potentially. But do it every time. Once rust gets on raw cast iron, it is tough to keep from spreading like the plague. Also, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget Rod Gray is in next week. Meathead is in next week. We'll probably get some other competition stuff going as well. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Reppy. Good night now.